1900, a formerly struggling author named L. Frank Baum published The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Baum had been born in upstate New York in the 1850s and had wanted to be a theater producer and playwright. The mid-1850s, the tail end of America's first industrial revolution, saw big changes for the entire country. Baum's father was one of those American entrepreneurs who had gotten involved in some of the biggest industries powering America's development, including oil drilling in Pennsylvania. With his newfound wealth, he bought his son a small cheap printing press, which sparked his love of writing. Taking a job in his brother's store, Baum approached a local theater company who scammed him into buying all their costumes in exchange for promises of future lead roles. A classic scam. His theater career, which happened while he continued working at the dry goods store, was modestly successful. He wrote several plays and acted in them. Until in 1882, the theater burned down while a production of Baum's play Matches, ironically, took place, leading to all the costumes and scripts he had written being destroyed. Baum and his wife, Maud Gage, the daughter of a famous suffragette and activist, moved from New York, where he hadn't had much success, out west to South Dakota. Baum would take his time in South Dakota, which was full of drought and took place during the same time as the Wounded Knee Massacre and the War Against the Sioux, as part of his writing for The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, replacing drought-ridden South Dakota with Kansas. Baum's store and South Dakota newspaper failed in 1891, and he moved with his family to Chicago, where he started reporting for the Evening Post. That's when he got interested in telling children's fairy tales, starting first with Mother Goose in prose, and then The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. All of Baum's work for children would be meant to teach and invoke the Brothers Grimm, and Mother Goose children's stories. The Wizard of Oz was instantly successful, and within two years, Baum's dream of the theater returned as he helped write and produce The Wizard of Oz, Fred R. Hamlin's musical extravaganza. The stage musical was so wildly successful that it toured around the country for 11 years. Baum launched a franchise with 14 Oz books, the last being published in 1920, a year after his death. All in all, Baum had written 14 Oz books, 41 novels, 83 short stories, 200 poems, and 42 scripts. He was a prolific believer in financing stage plays and musicals, and his final project in 1914 was the Oz Film Manufacturing Company. He dreamed of probing the thus far untapped children's film market, wanting to make a film of The Wizard of Oz. However, it wasn't to be, and his one film adaptation in 1914 was of his previously anonymous novel, The Last Egyptian. He passed away of a stroke in 1919 without making his Wizard of Oz film. In 1925, L. Frank Baum Jr. and Larry Semon attempted to adapt the story into a silent adventure movie. It was poorly received by audiences and critics, and the idea of children's filmmaking had not taken off. The film did so badly that Larry Semon went bankrupt and died at the age of 39 just three years later, with his family blaming the stress of his bankruptcy for his death. The two decades after Baum's death saw film technology and the studio system grow by leaps and bounds. Unlike the two-color system, which recorded the film on one strip of black and white negative, this new camera ran three black and white negatives simultaneously, and that is why it is known as three-strip Technicolor. The magazine on top of the camera, which is that part that looks like the Mickey Mouse ears, was triple the width of a normal black and white camera because it contained each roll of negative to capture your red, green, and blue records. 
Contrary to popular belief, The Wizard of Oz is not the first color film ever made. There are three dozen or so other films, starting with the lost film, The World, the Flesh, and the Devil, in 1914, that use different processes, from cinema color, to color inserts, to prisma, to do the coloration. Many of these films, the majority in fact, have since either been lost completely or only exist in black and white. In 1937, the small, now forgotten, animation studio Walt Disney Productions, which had become very successful for their animated shorts, which would play before feature-length movies, released their first feature-length cell-animated movie with color, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, it's home to work we go. The movie, whose premiere audience included Judy Garland, was instantaneously a cultural sensation. Other studios instantly became interested in buying the rights to and producing children's films, and in 1938, MGM bought the rights to The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. This led to a famously chaotic writing process, where William Cannon wrote an outline, Herman Mankiewicz, Noel Langley, and Ogden Nash were hired separately to write versions of the story without being informed. Langley's script was then given to Harold Arlen and Yip Harburg to write music. Florence Ryerson and Edgar Allan Wolfe were asked to touch it up and then fired. And then director Victor Fleming and John Lee Mahan touched it up further. Other additional writers included Urban Brechter, the Marx Brothers writer, Herbert Fields, George Cucker, and King Vidor. A three-way race between Shirley Temple, Judy Garland, and Diana Durbin commenced for the role of Dorothy. Buddy Epstein and Ray Bolger, who had been inspired by the musical to go into vaudeville, were cast as the Scarecrow and the Tin Man. However, Epstein inhaled aluminum dust on set and had to leave, being recast as Jack Haley while he was in the hospital in critical condition. Multiple directors, including Richard Thorpe, George Cucker, and then the main director, Victor Fleming, were cycled through. Cucker left to direct Gone with the Wind, and before the filming was over, Victor Fleming would replace him on that. King Vidar came in, to finish the Oz shoot. It's me! She locked me in! Listen, we gotta get her out. Open the door. Oh, hurry, please, hurry! Judy Garland was hired finally to play Dorothy at age 17, and the shoot was problematic for her, to say the least. She was given Benzedrine tablets and other medications, uppers and downers, which would end up becoming a lifelong issue and eventually killing her. She was abused both physically on set and sexually during the shoot. For every one of the main cast, from Burt Lear as the Lion, Ray Bolger, Jack Haley, and Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch, Wizard of Oz would end up leading to a lifelong fame and recognition as these characters. Asbestos makes an appearance in the scene with the poppies and the witch's burning broomstick. Margaret Hamilton, who was the Wicked Witch, was the sweetest of the whole bunch, you know. She was just a great person. And she was visit with us and talk to us. Whenever she was not in makeup, she mingled with the with the with the munchkins and uh, made it a specific point to distribute a personally autographed picture to each individual munchkin on the set. The munchkins were hard to cast. A nationwide talent search netted a hundred little people who would get paid $125 a week. Margaret Hamilton, who had been cast as the Wicked Witch at the last minute, was an unfortunately underappreciated talent as a character actress and relished being on set for The Wizard of Oz. She mingled with the munchkins until an accident on set on the elevator left her with second-degree burns for six weeks after the effect where she disappeared into fire, went awry, 
and she actually caught fire and fell through a trap door. They had been shooting this scene and apparently had a almost perfect take of her of this whole sequence. And then they said, "Well, I heard Victor Victor Fleming say, well, let's take one more sh one more try at it." Well, she had come up and down a few times, and I was amazed. Isn't that a terrific? I didn't even know about trap doors then. I was so naive, you know. And then one time she didn't come up. I says, "Oh, what happened to her?" Her green makeup was toxic copper and needed to be taken off with acetone. This acted as combustion for the fire. Asbestos and copper and aluminum. Oh my! All of this just to say. It was one of the craziest and most infamous film shoots of all time. Judy Garland was able to renegotiate her contract with MGM and became one of the 10 highest paid stars at the time. At the time, MGM's $2 million box office net meant that The Wizard of Oz was technically a box office failure. The budget was $2.8 million and in the U.S. earned just over $2 million, $3 million worldwide. But re-releases in 1949... 1955, 1989, and 2019 have more than made up for that. The Wizard of Oz has continually been lauded by critics and fans alike as one of the greatest films in American history. Victor Fleming and MGM would go on six months after The Wizard of Oz's release to absolutely crush the box office with another one of American cinema's greatest achievements, Gone with the Wind. Tap your heels together three times. And think to yourself, there's no place like home. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. J. Andrew World illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks. This Barbie is streaming on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Katie Baldessaro is an actress, director, and writer who co-wrote and directed and also starred in Girl in the Basement, along with appearing in quite a few horror movies. You can also catch her voice acting in the scripted podcast series, The Starwell Foundation, an audio drama set in the city of superheroes, wherever podcasts are listened to, and her new film podcast, What If I Don't Like It? New episodes bi-monthly. I, of course, am your host and the king of the forest, Forrest Miller. I'll get you, my pretty, and that little dog, too. I guess it makes sense to be king of the forest, yeah. being the famous forest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just start off by saying, if a film today needed four different directors and 12 different screenwriters, it would be a recipe for disaster. But somehow this film managed to make it through. I mean, unless it was like a Marvel movie. I feel like, I feel like Marvel movies are the one time you can really like switch directors a bunch of times. And they're like, eh, 
these are these are these are cutout pieces you know like we're, we're kind of doing this that's well, like the, the one... director doesn't matter as much as in this case the yeah. producer right so yeah. well I and, I and i feel like i feel like you have to have such like a, a franchise on lock right for for something like that to work out in this movie or studio not... system yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I, again, I didn't want to, two minutes in, I didn't want to immediately get off topic, but it is basically what the studio system was. It's like a repeat of that, right? Yeah. Getting. Also, 19, 1939 was also a pretty big year for film in general because there were so many, so many films in competition with each other that people forget that The Wizard of Oz was kind of like skirted and forgotten about right. with yeah. Gone with the Wind. Yeah, well, because well, they, they had tried to make a movie it, of it before and didn't work out so great. The thing with Gone with the Wind, though, because it was the studio system, they had like their directors on contract and they could just cycle them out through the two biggest projects they were working yeah. on. It, it, we don't think about how big a thing fucking Gone with the Wind. I mean, it's three hours and 20 minutes. Now that's uh, it's just a Scorsese movie. Or like, yeah. you know what I mean? But, like, uh, <laughs> Back then, but back then you have to have actual reels of film, and someone has to go through and edit the actual reels of film that you're doing. That's so much of a, a longer and like more arduous process. But there still were plenty of long movies. Look, I mean, we this yeah. is that's a fascinating topic that I would love to get into. But I also like to talk about this movie yeah. uh, because it's an all-time classic, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah. one thing I didn't notice in the and if you followed the promotion for this, you've certainly noticed it. But um, somebody on the panel. <laughs> Dressed, dressed in excellent witch cosplay, I might add, uh, has never seen this film uh, sitting down all the way through an attentive watch, uh, you know, looking at it, coming up with the framework of an adult who was, you know, fully formed human being, but has never seen it, ultimately. How? I really thought I saw a lot more of it than I actually, like, it just kept going. And I was like, who the fuck's this guy? Why have I never heard this song? I also <laughs> didn't know it was a musical. That was a fun thing to find out. Yeah. Yeah, there's some wild, I mean, like, songs that you're like, oh, yeah. I think I'm, like, vaguely familiar with this one. Yeah, right, of course. Oh, I remember that when Margaret Thatcher died. Uh, uh, the OEO part? Two afterwards. Um, the OEO part was, like, something I recognized but didn't know was from this. Was that, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's like um, when I was watching uh, Carnival of Souls, my husband freaked out because there's a clip from a Thrill Kill cult song, the, you know, get me some girl who's off her rocker. And he's like, oh, I've yeah. heard that a million times. Sure, sure, yeah. It's very, so, it's referenced uh, a lot in, in throughout history. Well, and there, there yeah. is, considering this is not, well, it is it's like, it's interesting because we are talking about films that were very long. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, you know D.W. Griffith's film like, Intolerance. Like Jesus Christ, it's so like I'm still watching it. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but it's there's a lot of story here that they get through in a pretty economical time period. Uh, yeah. Meaning to say that it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's nope. still like you could take. I would actually say that if you're doing any kind of like fantastical adventure um even, even like to a certain degree sci-fi or whatever be like okay this movie's 102 minutes is it better than than what they did in 102 minutes probably not probably not mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know me i'm from make it shorter i did think when you guys told me to watch this in the first place i was like oh fuck is it like two and a half hours long or something no. No. so no. yeah it, it moves yeah. right along like yeah. you don't even spend that much time in kansas frankly no <laughs> Uh, I mean, well, they, they get to they get to Oz the first time within the fifty minutes. Like, yeah, they, yeah. they go to Oz. They they're like, oh, this is our, sooner this than we like... got to the actual topic of the show, frankly. But anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I kind of I kind of love. I forgot like Linda's line when she's like, oh, did you bring your broomstick? And then go back in the house. Like, no, I didn't. No, she she's like 
She's like, well, then I guess you better get to walking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, also, can I, say, can I go on a tangent about her real quick? Glenda's the real villain. She put a target on an innocent little girl's back because her former friend, her nemesis just wanted something of her sisters who had just gotten a house dropped on her. She just wanted ruby slippers because she's like, that's the I made them ruby so my sister could walk, sort of thing. Because in the in the books, they're silver. But silver because, shoes, of, yeah. because of technicolor reasons, they're like, why don't we make the slippers ruby so they would really stand out? And if you guys know this, I don't Upgrade. know if you guys do. Just like how in 2001 was a pyramid, not like a not, not yes. model because it, it didn't but film well. All right. They had to be careful with the lighting and the camera angles of the Tin Man and the Ruby Slippers because they didn't want the glare. It, it would have yeah. been too bright. And the they didn't want to J.G. Abrams it up? No. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of lens flares, I think of the Wizard of Oz. Yes. <laughs> um, That's interesting, yeah, like, though. Yeah. The, the, the whole thing with the with the slippers also at least in the books is that they're like highly powerful magical shoes but the thing yeah. the thing that makes glenda really the villain she does not fucking tell her how to use the shoes what the shoes do nothing about the shoes she's just like well i guess she just has the, these cool shoes on and they're cool and dorothy's like thanks and you have to go murder some people. yeah she, she's she's she incredibly unhelpful if you yes. stop and think about it she's and she's basically i hate to say it kind of gets gets by on her rep you know, mm -hmm. oh yeah, she's the hot one. She's the nice one. Oh, she's when is she nice? When does that happen? Because like she could have. This movie could have been a lot shorter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, <'cause> also, <laughs> I also have a really big question about her for you guys. I have a, like a list of ten questions I was confused about while watching this movie. But biggest question for her: everybody in the movie is somebody who existed in Kansas, like in her subconscious, except yeah. for Glinda. Who the fuck is this lady? There is a rumor that Glinda actually represented Dorothy's mother. If if oh. we pay attention to the James Franco, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Thing. Don't pay attention to it, by the way. It's exactly. terrible. Yes. So, <laughs> Even though it's directed by Sam Raimi, we, it's decanonized. Actually, yeah. Aunt somehow somehow not the Oz movie with the most uh, sexual assault on set. Yeah. Aunt, well, originally, Auntie M was supposed <laughs> to be Glinda, but they wanted Auntie M to be not that glamorous. Um, they wanted her to be normal and plain, so they're like, you know, Uncle Henry and Annie M don't have Oz counterparts because they're not, you know, they don't, not mo no amount of makeup could like make them up to be something different. Well, also, like, she, she would, I, I'm sorry, Dorothy's a little thick, but she's not thick enough to be like, oh, I don't recognize because she's like, oh, I kind of recognize all these characters. If yes. one of them was Auntie yeah. M, she'd be like, oh, that's Auntie M. <laughs> yeah, you're like the farm hand, to go but home. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, one of the original scripts had her uncle as the uh, Wicked Witch's son. Yeah. Which is just wild. Yeah. Because it's like I think at 12 screenwriters. Because because think about the actual analogs, right? Okay. So she meets the, the dude who's who's the wizard. And like, I just met this guy. I'm not gonna be, be able to pick him Professor out. Professor Marvel, con ours. And uh the farm hands are, are her compatriots, which is like, okay, you're gonna pay attention to the farm hands, but like if the farm hand is a scarecrow or a tin man or a lion, like it's it's completely understandable that you wouldn't necessarily recognize the facial features. In fact, within the framework of the of the books and the illustrations, they look nothing like the actual, the actual yeah, people. Yeah. Like, uh, which, yeah. which is actually a, a, a good change yeah. uh, for it. But it, it is interesting that um, when you stop and think about the the doubling, right? Because you think of doubling in in cinema, you know, like a certified copy and like dead mm -hmm. ringers and stuff like that. Uh, that just goes back to how influential this film is. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that that it's you start started here really and uh, and that 
again, going back to like um, the, the shots, like the black and white of Kansas, and she opens the door, and it's like this bright Technicolor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like one of the great moments in cinema. Yeah, flat out, yeah. probably the first greatest moment in cinema. And I, so what I think is notable, and and, and again, we're, we're we've got we're just you know, we're, it's like the the bell just rang, and we're boop boop coming out the box, like uh, getting at all these mm-hmm. points. What I want to know host of what if i don't like it kt is did you like it did you enjoy it wouldn't it be hilarious if it came on dressed like one of the characters to just roast the shit out of the movie <laughs> i don't know i don't know what your commitment to the bit is i mean well, that, right? would be, uh, that would be pretty that would be kind of wicked of you to do yeah, yeah! <laughs> um no i thought it was a piece of shit movie i don't know why people think um <clears throat> no i you know i thought I had different levels on it because it definitely hit me on a level that I don't think it would hit kids on. Like the whole rumination, like it's a, it's an imposter syndrome thing. And as an actor, or as anybody who's a creative, you constantly have this like, am I doing it right? I think I need X. I need what that other person has. And like, nobody can give it to you. And if they give it to you, they're just going to give you this shitty fake version of it. Here's a little heart. <laughs> So it's got to come from you. And I think that's a really resounding message for adults. So I can understand why this is this is such a well-received movie. One caveat, though, fucking hated the munchkin scene. Like, really? Mm, mm, oh, God, no. Like, I, I tried to take my body cavity and go inside it like a tauntaun. I hated that so much. (laughs) I I, I met some of the munchkins when I was really, really young. There was this place in Augusta, Georgia, where it was like a science place or something like that. And they had these like little conventions. And I think the, the, the lollipop kid, the one, I think his name is Jerry, who gives the lollipop to Judy Garland was still alive. And if in the corner and a few other ones were still alive. And so they did like a little thing with uh, like a little like, Q&A, but then a lot of kids got to hang out with them. So I got to meet, you know, some of the munchkins. And I was like, I remember being younger, like, you guys look so different now. <laughs> so I actually, I, have, I thought I have they were like clips. little babies. Well, I actually thought they were all like, like some oh, of them yeah. were children. They made them look like babies. Yeah. yeah. Some of them. I yeah. mean, like yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the lollipop guild always like creeped me out as a kid. <laughs> Well, and they use like the the, the makeup's kind of weird, and the and the costumes like it, it's so like they first of all now. first of all they're strapped they got guns like like anyone <laughs> notice the fact that they have gun like they all carnivals and crazy why, that's where why aren't they shooting them. the witch then yeah well they have guns maybe they don't have ammo you know <laughs> maybe it's just ornamental right it's but, like like wait a house can kill a witch why aren't we shooting the bitch but they have a corner. They're, there's they're a like, munchkin corner from- hold on there's a munchkin yeah. corner let me make my goddamn point there's a munchkin okay. corner munchkin corner people like so clearly there's oh, death yeah <laughs> there's, there's got to be right so anyway go ahead i just want to yes, get that sorry. out there i mean it's important i i hate watching this through a lens of reading the wicked novels because it's technically the wicked witch of east ruled munchkin land that's why they were so okay. terrified of her and so happy like i'm like there's because a lot of people are like well why did he celebrate she's dead what, what was her significance and i'm like oh my god guys just like have some that's, fun have some imagination yeah. well no they say it they say that yeah. that we're no they longer enslaved it. They say we're no longer enslaved by the so I mean and then if you read the book like the original book right like there's a there's a race of people called the Winkies that are in the West yeah. that are that are pretty much equivalent to the Munchkins they're 
I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, about, there are, there's Elv as well. There's a bunch of other know. lands. Yeah. With small, short names. Yes. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I don't know about Munchkin race science or something, but they seem to be somehow related to. So there, there's an East land that's controlled by the Wicked Witch of the East, and those are right. the Munchkins, and they're enslaved and they're forced to work. Because it seems like their one big charm is that they can enslave people. And then on the, in the West, there's the, the Winkies, which are the ones that have the, uh, you know, that have the giant hats that look like they're a fucking Queen's Guard. And is there a Witch of the, the West? West. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and, is and there a the spell? Is the one, is the one that? Yeah, probably. The one that she pours church. water on is the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. And then oh, the Wicked Witch okay. of the East. Margaret, is, Margaret Hamilton is the. Uh, yeah. Is and then the Wicked so Witch of the, the East is the one that she drops the house on that she's mm -hmm. enslaved everyone from the East. And then you could go even deeper in it, which originally Oz kind of tried to enslave uh, the Winkies in the West. Like, and the Wicked Witch of the West drove Oz with the flying monkeys out of the West. Which is why uh, Oz wants her dead so badly, so he can yeah. go back and like reinvade the West. But but here's here's something that's important to <laughs> hold on. Here, here's something that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. All of this spinoff media, a lot of it's really good. I love the books and everything, but I think it's important to engage with this film with what it is, which is yeah, the, the yeah, cinema known as masterpiece well you don't need to and in some cases it actually um, almost takes away from the magic of the movie that you just don't know these things and this goes back to what we're talking mm -hmm. about it, it's when we talk about escape from new york right it was like oh that's snake plissken everyone knows snake plissken he's a badass yeah. what what i don't where did we see that well because you don't have to see it like it's known within the world of what's happening and again that's one of the reasons why this uh works you know un well under two hours as a great film now if you're interested and if you you're want, as a historian and in <laughs> As an Oz scholar, yeah, I mean, you can go through, you can go to Wicked, you can get into Return Return to Oz, which is actually pretty good, and a melange of, like, two books. Mm -hmm. um, there's comic books, there's freaking uh, TV series, multiple ones. Like, there's yes. so many of varying degrees of quality, I might say. But none yeah. of that has hit as hard. As well, what I was what I was explaining was the original, was, was I was explaining just the original Wizard, Wonderful Wizard of Oz book. Kind it, of, it, it, and yeah, and yeah. so I think what's what's notable is that Dorothy doesn't know all that crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just yeah. landed. She's got it in town, man. But 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 Glenda's like, you are the one that can help us, you know, do something about my my ex friend over here who you know the the, no the, way. the whiz. I, I by the oh way, my God. we're gonna ease on down, <laughs> ease on down the road. I've been trying to forget the whiz, frankly. George <laughs> Newmarker wrote the script of that one. Of course, you want to forget it. Just it's the wrong director, so, right? I mean, I, I love I love him, but it's the wrong director. Yeah, I was gonna say the reason I didn't like the Munchkin scenes is is yeah, it's creepy, but also like the points in the movie where it gets incredibly cutesy, I just didn't dig that. I just didn't. It, it was a good movie outside of that, and then when they like, I mean, they did a lot of almost Beastie Boys level forced rhyme, which I guess I can enjoy on that level, but like, you know, These Munchkins uh, are spitting. They're yeah. spitting, we're spitting, you know. It was, well, the corner, was... the corner really did was spitten. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. He had, he had oh, all God, kinds damn, of death. Dude, he had he all talks. kinds of death rhymes that he could throw out there. I mean, apparently, you know, he's got a lot of time to apply his trade because uh, yeah. <laughs> there's not much going on. I, I want to see him in Nine Mile now. <laughs> uh, can't believe no one ever like... made a CSA Oz parody with that corner in the film. Yeah, that would that would that's a parody I'd watch. Yeah. Wouldn't that be four mile? There's a Wouldn't fan that be four mile because he's half the size of a yeah. Right. We get it. He's short. Four and a half. Yeah, four and a half. Get it right. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, By the way, the Munchkins, the, Munchkins uh, the book Munchkins, right? Like the, the little people in this movie are kind of a creation of 
you know, of MGM and like this whole thing. The, in, in the book, they're not necessarily described as little. They're, I mean, they're described as like the size maybe of like a little girl, maybe a little taller. Maybe. Yeah. So like they're, foot along they're not, there. yeah. We're so talking they went a half kind of area. So they mm-hmm. went on this nationwide search uh, for for 100 little people. And I watched this documentary, or at least some of this documentary, where I guess eight of the Munchkins outlived all the primary cast members. Yes, like they were the yes, last they did. people from the Wizard and, of Oz left. Yeah, the, like the, the pretty much the monkey was, was the last one alive, though. The guy Pat Walsh. And if you the- if you hear if you heard stories about how hard they partied, that's actually quite surprising. But, yeah. yeah. Also, too, what's interesting is that Buddy, despite not you know being able to play the Tin Man, he had like the worst like poisoning with the aluminum flakes in his lungs. He died at 2003 at the age of 95. He managed to outlive. I mean, he almost died. Like, that could have actually killed him. Even like, with aluminum poisoning, yeah. Yeah, yeah he well, ended up... Uh, he, he found that black gold, that Texas tea. And, you know, <laughs> he could afford the best health care. He, he, he was Jed Clambit, yeah. So, okay, so they did a nationwide search for these for these kids, uh, for these little people, right? To, yeah. So finish that up. Great shows, carnivals. No, so I have I have this I have this uh, like a few minutes of this documentary that I pulled cool. where they're they're talking about it with uh, the the final remaining the final remaining eight munchkins. Yep, the ones that we probably met in childhood. <laughs> there you go. Oz Hall of Fame these days is pretty much a Munchkin establishment. Chesterton, Indiana. Who's surviving. Yeah. Principal cast members of the 1939 MGM film, and they loved it. Time or in groups like this one in Chesterton, Indiana, they're invited to join Oz festivals and make personal appearances all over the country, from Mango, New York, to Louisville, Kansas. They may be older than they were in Oz, but their diminutive stature makes them more accessible to children than perhaps anyone else could be, whether in or out of replicas of their costumes, and with humor and joy. They take pride in recalling their specific Munchkin assignments in the film. As coroner, I must aver, I thoroughly examined her, and she's not only merely dead, she's really most sincerely dead. I was one of the Munchkin soldiers. I'm a town's lady, I'm a dancing lady, I'm, <laughs> I'm whatever they wanted. My pal, this is Carl Slova. He was the uh, trumpeter right. in the Munchkin Land sequence. Right. And he sings, we're off to see the wizard. Would you like yeah. to hear it? <laughs> we're off to see the wizard. How you doing? You find me. Is the wizard a wizard? If ever the wizard was. If ever ever the wizard of Oz is one thing because I don't know how everybody got their part, but I just they just gave me to being a soldier. Wake up, you sleepy head, rub your eyes, get out of bed. Wake up, the wicked witch is dead. Oh, I was one of the talismans. We represent the Lollipop Guild, the Lollipop Guild, the Lollipop Guild. And in the name of the Lollipop Guild, we wish to welcome you to Munchkin Land. So that's what I did. And that's what was remembered by everybody rather than anything else. (laughs) It was author L. Frank Baum who started all of this with his book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, back in 1900. He described the Munchkins as not as big as the grown folks Dorothy had always been used to. The Munchkins make further appearances in some of the 39 other Oz books. They even turned up in the successful 1902 stage musical 
and in some early silent Oz films, always played by full-grown people. It wasn't until MGM decided to film The Wizard of Oz in 1938 that the call went out for real little people <laughs> to fill the parts. There were at that time many hypopituitary dwarfs, perfectly scaled down miniature people, active in show business. MGM contracted impresario Leo Singer, whose Singer midgets were theatrically well known. He in turn subcontracted other vaudeville troops, traveled the country, and spread the word that MGM needed little people for Oz. Some of those who answered the call were performing veterans. Some were new to the entertainment world. Most were required to sign with Singer for the privilege of working in the picture. And almost all of them had one thing in common. I never heard about Wizard of Oz. No, I wasn't aware of the Wizard of Oz books or Frank Baum or anybody, you know. <laughs> never heard of the Wizard of Oz. Never heard of the Oz books. And believe me, I didn't know what a munchkin was. But I do know now. <laughs> the first inkling of the Wizard of Oz was I got a letter in the mail with a train ticket it says come to california to make a movie our so-called major grapevine the word came around the country that mgm was going to make a movie in which they would need a lot of little people a, a gentleman came out to the house or called me or something i remember and come and got me and took me down there and uh and i never saw him after that but he must have got some kind of a deal because they, they accepted me. The agent called me. The picture was going on, and the agent called me, and he said, Mr. Singer's here. He would like to know if you'd like to be in the picture. And I was, of course, I was so happy. I was thrilled. I get a letter from this agent, Delma Weiss, and asking if I'd like to come be in The Wizard of Oz, and I thought, wow. <laughs> they did a night called Three Steps in One Half. And uh, we were playing the Bond Hotel in Hartford, Connecticut. I think it was Hartford, yes. And this gentleman seen me from the audience, and he came backstage after, after the show. And he said, say, you know, we're going to make a movie. We need about five little guys that can really sing and dance. And I know you can sing and dance because I've I seen the act. So he said, would you mind? I said, I'd be happy to. So three months later, believe it or not, there was a contract from Lowe's Incorporated. MGM began principal photography of Oz in October 1938. Mm. Love it. I, my, favorite my favorite thing about Oz are the false stories that Judy Garland would tell. Like, she's like, oh, the much, they were all drunks. You know, one asked me out for a date. Like, like, a lot of people wondered if her stories were true. They weren't. Because she kind of had to make up this facade about about her time during Wizard of Oz because it probably wasn't the best. So she had to like, you know, make up false stories about, you know, things that would happen on set. Um, how one time a munchkin asked her out, but her mom wouldn't let her. Uh, how she would get right. shoved out by the guys during, during the little skip to the, to the other <clears throat> I mean, she was on so a lot of drugs. It's, memory could be kind of shitty. Yeah. So, yeah. so real, real, real quick, hold, hold on. So the Judy Garland part of that isn't true. Those little people partied though. They partied yeah. hard. Yeah. They were not involving like a woman not of age in their party. No, yes, to be well, people think that happened. I'm like, and, no. And the other thing too, it's like this is the first time they actually found people that were like themselves. Yeah, uh, one know, of the reasons why they wanted to celebrate. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah, and so like, like all of a sudden, there's this new community that they never had. And, and they're uh, all like, posted up at the same hotel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'd love to see that movie, honestly. It'd be there, way there's better than Tiptoes, which, which uh, I also, I also want to see the movie part of the guy coming to each of their houses and being like, "I'm putting together a team." <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch, I'm in. 
kid. <laughs> I, I, I seen your act. I know what you're up to. I need, I need kids to get, they can sing and dance. And I've seen your act, and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. By the way, uh, the the actor that plays um, the, the the cowardly lion during the beginning of the movie, the, one of the first things he says to Dorothy is, "Listen, kid." Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, I know, I know. I did, I did okay. enjoy that. I immediately was taken there. Yeah. Although my yeah. favorite line from him was the one about uh, saying to the pork, I'm going to turn you into a dime bag. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, I like smoked pork too, but I, like, I, I, I've I never just, tried a dime bag of pork. Wasn't it a penny bag back then? That was, I don't know. that was pretty good. I just can't believe Sam Cedar got to experience his son talking shit about him like that. Like that was, I was like, wait, cause he told us that one story about Burlar's son being a theater critic. And I'm like, what? I'm like that his, he had kids that are still alive. Like Bert, mm -hmm. like what's interesting to me about Bert Lar or any of the actors is that they perfectly were like, of course, Ray Bulger was originally the Tim man, but he's like, no, I move more limpy like a scarecrow. And Bert Lar had severe anxiety. Like he was so anxious. It's like he was perfectly cast as the Cowardly Lion because he felt like he almost, in a way, this role helped him overcome this anxiety because of what he had to go through, like with the costume, wearing actual lion skin and lion's fur. So you, it, it you know, if if anyone else could have played these roles, I don't think the movie would not have been a, a success. Well, he also, although, he, he was a although famous, ironically, uh, so many people have played these roles. Yeah. They, they they picked people that were like uh Bert Law was a famous um uh Broadway, Broadway actor mm -hmm. and so he was on Broadway doing all these plays and he had this really over the top acting and the scarecrow um you know Ray Bolger was like a, a vaudeville actor who you know he famously did like the the dances or whatever and his inspiration for being a vaudeville actor was seeing the Wizard of Oz come to town when they were doing like you know the Wizard of Oz tour or whatever oh, and I guess the guy the guy that played the scarecrow in the first iteration was like this legendary vaudeville actor. So he's like, yeah. this is my vaudeville dream role. Yes. Oh, that is dream. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so I then think they cast him as the they cast him as the tin man and yeah, he got real he like, and he went down to the fucking MGM and was like, you got you gotta let me play the scarecrow. You gotta let me. Come on. <laughs> uh, going back to yeah go ahead Connor. <laughs> we're moving so like it, I thought it was gonna be like this. It's even more it's like this is Wizard of Oz on cocaine is what it, yes. is what it feels like topic wise. I did want to go a topic back longer than ten seconds, but to a previous topic <laughs> musical. This 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 is it's easy for me. This is a good example of a good musical, which is to say yeah. that the songs add to the story, mm -hmm. are good, and it isn't uh, something where you don't think of it as like oh yeah they're running around and dancing and singing and stuff first yeah. right it's it's part of the story like so yeah. it's, it's like whatever yeah. the equivalent of diegetic dancing is like, well they wanted to cut out over the rainbow because they felt it would not do anything to the story which were like but dorothy's which, expressing her desire so keep it in the fucking movie and it's like a timeless hit now and it's and like, like, like that's the only one i liked i actually hated the music well, from you, this you kind of think of judy like in a way like sometimes i cry when i listen to it because you can't help but think about like judy garland and, and you know how her career went down and what ended up taking her own life which was the same drugs that her mother in the studio forced her to take yeah because like i said she never got to get over the rainbow so if she i got, can got, just real, i just real quick it presupposes that that one of the things that i always forget about 
seeing this movie until I'm actually watching it, watching it is that the music numbers are in there because they're so ingrained in the DNA of being like a film goer and like a, a patron of like the creative arts and caring about things that, that set you off to like dreaming and whatnot, that if you hear it again, coming from the perspective of someone like everyone else on here, except for KT, who saw it very young, you don't even think of them as songs. It's just part of the story. It's like, oh yeah, yeah they they sing to her when she gets there. It's kind of crazy. And then she's off on the yellow brick road, right around. The one that I forgot about until watching it again, that um, unlocked like such a fucking crazy memory for me. King of the Forest, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Cowardly yeah. Lion things. Uh, my grandpa, when I was like, you know, when I was really, one of the few memories I have of my grandpa that like died of Alzheimer's when I was like nine is that he used to put me on his lap and he, he, he was really into the lion. Like he was one of those, like, uh, you know, like he, he really likes the, the character of the cowardly lion and he would sing if I were king of the forest while like, uh, and cause when, when I was, when I was like two or three, I got really, really sick in Florida and I needed to get like a daily injection every single day. So the, the whole thing with like courage, like I was, I'm still terrified of fucking needles. And so he would play the Wizard of Oz for me and talk about like how courage is like, you know, the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And that was, I had to get a needle in my arm. <laughs> yeah. I don't even yeah. understand why my parents, I, I think it's because they're like, oh, it's on VHS now. She's probably going to like it. Cause I feel like, I feel like for young, for people who've seen it when they were young, that's probably one of the first movies you remember ever seeing is the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Like I remember the VHS that copy that I had. VHS too. Yeah. The, Okay. Yeah. So, so KT, you don't like mm -hmm. "We're Off to See the Wizard"? That that because that's one of the songs. You don't. Okay. No. All see, right. I think the, the situation here is that like, no, I don't have, I don't have the whimsy for that. Yeah. But also, like, I grew up with with parents that were like very, very anti children and very, very anti children's stories, and they they taught me mm -hmm. at a young age that like that's garbage, that's below you. So my body kind of clenches up when I, I experience things that are very much for children. Yeah. And so I can't enjoy these songs because I'm just like, oh, this is this is what my parents told me to avoid. Uh, well, if there's one thing that would have made this the movie interesting, like song-wise, because you can get the soundtrack on Spotify or whatever, there's a reprise of Over the Rainbow where she's basically actually sobbing during the whole thing. And when they did early test screenings, a lot of people were too emotional to even watch that scene. Like she's in the witch's castle singing it and crying. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I cried too. But like, they're like, nah, this this is too much. This is too, it's too, it's sad for a little girl to be crying and singing. I don't, I don't like Over the Rainbow anymore. I want to go back yeah, exactly. to, I want to go back to the brown place. I do have to say that I do cry at that song, but not for a good reason. It's the song that they use to play on ER when Anthony Green, Anthony Green's character uh, dies. Uh, yeah, the, Dr. Green, Anthony Edwards' character. And so uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I'd hate it when Dr. Green died. This song is sad. Okay, so, so f a couple things. First of all, uh, it, it didn't make it into the movie, and we are glad for it, but there was a Jitterbug theme song. Uh, to go along with the jitterbug which, craze of, of yeah, the which all right, okay, I I'm almost got it out, but go ahead. You can Christina, find that on Spot it's on Spotify and Apple Music. On the, they, yeah. they recorded it, and yeah. they just got rid of it. Which is sort of right, Conan. <laughs> not great. It's not, yeah. it's not. Not great, folks. Uh, but I, for me, I, and again, I don't. I've never been. I've never been someone. Hey, you know, I'm a fan of children's music. No, not at all. But but I'm also saying that like it's follow the yellow. Follow the Yellow Brick Road. I know you heard my records, huh? Uh, Follow mm. the Yellow Brick Road is for me like it's it's, it's perfectly mm. endemic of usage of like it's furthering the story, it's moving things mm -hmm. along, it's doing so in a way that mm -hmm. like it's like what a minute and change that's enough, and these and like four minute numbers. 
I also have a migraine condition that is triggered by high pitched noises. So like this musical, like it's only a minute for you guys, but I'm a little bit like, oh God, do I have to take my Topamax to watch this? <laughs> well, I think that I think uh, the Lion Song I'm is like old. the longest one, right? It's yeah, like four actually, that was, I will. I will say there's one was Rainbow, and the second one I liked the most, but on the low bar because the other ones are so bad. Was the King of the Forest one, and I think it was partially because I had talked to Forrest already, and he told me that endearing story. Yeah. So as I was listening to it, I was imagining Forrest as a child being comforted by his grandfather, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah. borrowed nostalgia." There you go. Did, did, does uh, baby Forrest in your uh, mind's eye have hair? Yeah, it was, it was lovely. <laughs> Damn. It's cold like, blooded. What's also fascinating? I had, too, I had like uh, I had like ten good hair years, but like you know, he's like he's like nine and balding. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Basically, look like Charlie Brown. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, can we talk about the fact that even though George Cukor, that's his name, was yeah, not on set for cool. very long. <laughs> And Conan could attest to this. George Cukor probably made, even though he was there for like three days, he probably made the most impact of how the rest of the film turned out because he changed up Judy Garland's look. He reminded her that she's just a girl from Kansas. She can't be portrayed like she's some like little starlet. She has to remember that, you know, she just goes along with with, with these people and these characters in this land. Um, And he basically is a female director. So he was probably able to like just sit Judy Garland down like, look, Judy, you know, this, you're not playing some you know, little starlet, you're not, you're not Deanna Durbin or Lana Turner. You are this girl from Kansas and you're not going to be surprised by what you see in this land. So just remember that. And, you know, he took away the makeup and he took away the blonde wig. And so George Cukor, even though he was there for like three days, he probably made the most impact of how the rest of the film turned out, despite who was directing it after him. Well, cause there it was doesn't a blonde work. wig. I'm sorry. That sounds ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Long curly blonde wig. No, no, I was just gonna say it, it doesn't work if she's. It's it's insane. It doesn't work if she's glamorous. She has to be yeah. open-hearted and plain. That's 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 yeah. what the character is. And in I fact, like uh, like the source material, she's usually even younger. So it was she was like pushing pushing it a little bit. And that's actually one of the things that you know, as far as its influence in other media and throughout. Uh, other films and whatnot is it is kind of pushing that like well she's you know clearly past puberty you know she's a beautiful young lady and yeah. it's kind of like right on that edge of like okay she's kind of ingenue-esque as well so therefore if she had glammed up like it's a different movie and yeah. I, I think it's a less important and if i remember that's correctly the, that's, the blonde, that's the blonde wig by the way. Yeah. yeah and if i remember correctly this could still not be completely true but i think the the idea for shirley temple was they were going to do a switch between studios they were like okay mgm was going to get um uh, Shirley Temple for for Dorothy and I think one, something someone another student was gonna get Gene Harlow and Clark Gable for a film, but that never happened because Gene Harlow ended up getting into that. She ended up dying, and then they found out that you know this Judy Garland, you know she's a better singer than Shirley Temple, so she probably would be a better fit for this role anyway. Yeah. Well, the other thing with Shirley Temple is she was just so young. Yeah, they were like this, this role. I don't think that somebody who's she was like nine or ten mm. when they were trying to cast yeah. her in this. So like, yeah, I don't think a nine or ten year old could, you know, uh, make but it. But she has to be some child actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but, the, but they really, were like even you know even even Shirley Temple. 
they didn't think could you know sell this yeah. because she was I mean, too young to. I, I've seen, I've seen. Well, the, she was also a, a marquee name, and that was that was the main reason that they were looking at her. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Like I've I've seen her movies, and she she's a she is a very charismatic young actress, mm -hmm. uh, which which is like you know rare to see uh, somebody with that much you know charisma as a child, uh, you know, up on screen. Uh, but like, yeah, she she is a terrible singer, and like like yeah. this, the movie would have <laughs> crumbled. Crackers in my soup. Yeah, let's. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because well, I mean, as I was watching the movie with The Wizard of Oz, I was thinking about how Dorothy felt younger than we were looking at this actress as being. She felt like right. she was probably more of an Alice in Wonderland kind of mm -hmm. character age, mm -hmm. and that whole like going into a different. You know, I was familiar with that story, so I kind of jumped in from there. Um, I feel like Shirley Temple would have been a better Alice, and yet we're, we've, we've got the correct, uh, you know, Judy Garland is correct for this, though. Yeah. Well, well and it's, it's part of that weird sort of, like, dream state of things, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, this is, again, we talk about that a lot on the show because we tend to, I especially push a lot of dream state movies, I guess. But, like, it's, it's something <laughs> no. where this is this is one of the first big successful sort of dreamy state movies. And it's yeah. easy to forget about that. That, yeah. that was that again, we're talking about when L. Frank Baum was like was writing the Wizard of Oz books, the idea was like, okay, this is gonna be like an updating of like Grimm's fairy tales, but like for now, which in this case would be like, you know, yeah. the new century. He was thinking about it. Yeah. And that had and then and he he wanted it to get to a wider audience and it was just it just didn't people didn't think it was even possible. But then we have a situation where the technology kind of caught up to being able to do it and it was treated seriously as yeah. serious source material for once. And that's and, one of the things that makes it work. And what's what's fascinating too is the, you know, people couldn't, like movie studios today, they wouldn't dare make an, a, use like a tornado at Muslim cloth. They wouldn't dare consider <laughs> right. like, like the, and, the, and you guys, do you guys know they didn't have a source material for what a tornado looked like? They just had right. some eyewitness accounts. They're just like, well, it's it's a lot of wind. I saw that wind and it was spinning. It was spinning yes. so fast. Kid, you'll never believe it. It's wind that picks stuff up and throws it all around and blows it to a new land. If there's one, I was like, I was like, that thing looks looks kind of terrifying. My mom was like, well, that's a tornado. They have those in Kansas, so that's why. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, that's why which I think he just I remember had it in South Dakota and he decided to move it to, to Kansas. If, if who I'm wants to hear right. who wants to hear a children's story in South Dakota? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually remember uh you know one time there was a uh, hailstorm that was keeping me up at night and my mom comes into my bedroom and is like, oh you're still up? I'm like, yeah the, the hailstorm like like it's bouncing off the windows. And then I, I look you know I'm looking out the window like watching the lightning and I, I just point out to the window I'm like hey is that a tornado? Well I was like no it can't be <laughs> And then, like the next day, we found out there was a tornado right where I was pointing at. I think what they did was was they took muslin cloth and had it on a gantry and moved it around and yeah, filmed yeah. a miniature version of the house. And I'm like, and the way they managed to make that look, you know, even the sound, because everyone says they when it comes to a, a, the sound of a tornado, it sounds like a train going by. And I'm like, but that does sound like a train going by. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, then you have that the, like small musical cues, like the dun 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 dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun <laughs> which is sort of like how many times has that been homage and reused? And, oh my like, god, it's almost like Jeopardy music. Like you can just right. hear it and know what it means. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I know. Oh, it's like oh crap. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is this is an interview with the special effects art the the first you know great special effects artist uh, of of like you know classic Hollywood that came up with the the um yeah. All oh, this would be CGI'd. <laughs> I think. I think. By the way, it, it, if, if I'm not mistaken, it's uh this whole like 
documentary is is narrated by Angela Lansbury, which is kind of yes. Cool. I think I had that too. Oh, wild! Okay. He's known as Leo the Lion's best friend. A. Arnold Gillespie, everyone calls him Buddy, is Hollywood's dean of special effects. And Oz presents him with his greatest challenge. Buddy Gillespie must create a dazzling array of special effects, many of them never before attempted. A floating farmhouse and a floating head. A melting witch and flying monkeys. Fireballs, talking trees and a terrifying tornado. Ever wonder how this special effect was accomplished? Gillespie drops a miniature farmhouse from the top of a soundstage. He shoots it in slow motion and later will reverse the film so the farmhouse appears to be falling into the camera. The floor of the soundstage is painted to look like a Kansas sky with some dry ice vapor for clouds. The most astonishing illusions often have the simplest explanations. Buddy Gillespie reveals his solution to a spectacular effect no one has ever tackled before. The Wizard of Oz, of course, presented a lot of very, very interesting problems. And the tornado was one of the toughest, naturally, that we had faced. We didn't quite know what to do. But anyway, the tornado was finally resolved by building a uh, funnel type of thing out of muslin. And uh, we put the top part of the thing on a gantry that moved the full length of the stage. And the lower part of the tornado was uh, went into a slot in the floor with a, a S sort of a path. And it progressed towards the camera with a dustpan with, with Fuller's Earth, which gave the cloud of dust at the bottom. And the, the tornado was about 30-some-odd uh, feet in length. That literally looks like a real tornado. From one standpoint of the work was that the hours were long and the time off from work was short. During this period, we had to have our dinner, sleep, and get back up again at five o'clock in the morning. We hardly ever arrived home uh, earlier than, than 7.30 or 8. So you see how, what a short time we had. There's no recreation, none whatsoever. Uh, Judy, of course, being a girl, but she had to have her hair done every morning. She had to have it exactly the same way it was the day before. Composer Harold Arlen's home movies provide the only backstage glimpse of the stars of Oz, all of whom managed to keep their spirits up despite long hours, intense heat, and uncomfortable wardrobe and makeup. A lot of people ask me about uh, the costumes. I had a rubber mask. The only unfortunate thing about it was that it sort of closed the pores in my face. And when the lights got real hot and they uh, ate up all the oxygen, I couldn't breathe. But worst of all, is Bert Law. His costume was 90 pounds. <laughs> a perfectly ridiculous kind of costume to put on a fellow like Bert Law, because Bert Law uh, was, was a nervous type. Bert Law, he was always undoing the buttons. He always had gas on his stomach. He couldn't eat anything in, in his costume. It was literally true. He couldn't eat anything. Yeah, guess, huh? Jack Haley recalls <laughs> his miseries. I was doing a, uh, a radio show. I had my own radio show. And staying up late with the writers. So I had to be on what they call a reclining board. And I would go to sleep as soon as I got on the reclining board. Yep. And Bert Lyle said, that Haley can sleep on a beef hook. <laughs>
It, it wasn't easy for those guys. It really, mm -hmm. it really wasn't. I mean, the, the, the burlap mask for, um, for Ray Bolger permanently lined his face. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They didn't and know think, they didn't know anything yeah. about anything when it came in the costume back then. Also, <laughs> no. one, one thing I did notice too is that later, like earlier, the the scarecrow look for Nolan's films was a burlap bass for for Killian mm -hmm. Murphy. So it's almost yeah. like they kind of went down that route instead of like you know like how he's drawn in the comics or whatnot for the Batman. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this Andy just. Oh, just real quick from the comments. Fitting that Blade Runner was covered recently since that's another groundbreaking film that took every that everyone took from left, right, and center. Also another film made possible due to dozens of creatives. Correct. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Katie. Absolutely. I was going to say that Andy just saw a film I was in uh, at the East Hampton Film Festival in which I have a very large uh, mouth prosthetic exactly like that to make a cat face on me. It was a rabbit face on me. And I will, I will speak to that. You can't really eat in it. It's very, no. very hard. There's only yeah. just third of my face, but very, very sweaty and very immobilizing. And that's, you know, something that was done recently and done by someone very well and done very well. It's just, you know, the top half of your face, if you eat too much, it'll pull away from the prosthetic. Yeah. yeah. And I saw Sometimes it on the big screen. So, so I really got to see the details of it. In uh, HD? Was it in HD? It, it was, yeah, 20 <laughs> feet tall in HD. Mm -hmm. It was, it yeah. was, uh, it By the way, I do not want to see the Wizard of Oz in HD. One of the things I like about the Wizard of Oz <laughs> is, mm -hmm. is that, uh, like, well, you can tell... I already did, but it, yeah, that's hmm. my. What, the thing I was going to get at is that, is that uh, I think that part of the charm of it is like it's almost meant to be like watched on like a sort of old TV, like like yeah, like like one of those yeah. ones that look like a, a desk almost. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. <laughs> like where it isn't the highest resolution possible because it's because there's things that like for me I can look at it and see the seams like in the set and the, okay that's clearly mm -hmm. like a painted uh, yeah or like uh, where the makeup is the wigs and it, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because for me the movie is good enough that it, it carries it along I believe mm -hmm. that you know okay <laughs> this is a scarecrow that you know he, he has something he needs everyone's going on their quest he wants a brain this guy over here wants a heart this guy over here doesn't feel like he doesn't have any courage everybody needs something and she's like it's like putting together a D&D &D party, practically. And honestly, <laughs> for, for a guy with no brain, Scarecrow kept saying, I have Everybody another idea. Everybody needs something. Everybody needs something <laughs> well, that's, from That's Oz. the thing, is that they, they just have imposter syndrome. The guy who right. doesn't think he knows anything has all the ideas. And that's the what guy I was going to get. The guy heart is crying, yeah. That's what I was going to get at, is that basically it's revealed. The wizard doesn't do anything, really. The con man. Wizard basically gives him a pep talk. Trinket. What? Why are y'all yeah. motherfuckers singing about being Linda Oz? You're under a fascist dictator. What the fuck? Why are y'all singing? Why are y'all singing? Why are y'all singing? Y'all under fascism. Why are you singing? I mean, there were... There were that would be the update slaves. of the wins, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, there were slaves in America, and they, they sang songs, too. I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... <laughs> But isn't it interesting <laughs> that when they have to get makeovers, they actually have stuff specifically meant for them? Like, oh, if you're made of straw, you go in this area. If you're made of tank, you go in this yeah, area. Yeah, they're like, they're like ready there. for them. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. the, uh, the, the book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, right? Like, um, it, it really highlights, and they do a good job of, like, ca capturing this in the movie. But, like, it really highlights the, the irony of, you know, the scarecrow is the one always coming up with ideas. Right. And he's like, I have the That's idea. That's why he's a, he a bleeding yeah. Oz until uh yeah. in, in the book yeah. uh tip who later becomes ozma one of the first transgender uh reveals in american uh, uh books as yep. well oh, wow. uh 
Tip mm-hmm. is disguised as a human boy. It turns out, like, she is the rightful queen of Oz and mm-hmm. takes over. But the Scarecrow literally leads Oz after the wizard yeah. takes off and doesn't do a bad job of it all. Mm-hmm. So, so it's I like he always had that- it. <laughs> so, I have a question like, about the and, parallel and, construction yeah. on those those things that everybody needs, like right. heart, brain, courage. Why not guts? Like, wh- or why not like? Guts. He's alive. Well, they, like, yeah, they kind of, well, like I just subtracts fine. It's just the courage I need. They they didn't want to be snap corrected in a newspaper article or editorial it, or something. It, <laughs> well, if anyone paid attention in the sepia. The first, you know, scene nope. where Dorothy's talking to the guys, you hear him say, "Well, you know, if you got you got no brains, well, your head ain't been as strong, yeah. you know. Oh, have yeah. a courage. That's all." They, they, they and, hint all those. That goes back yeah. to the doubling, right? The doubling of what's happening in Oz mm-hmm. versus what's happening in Kansas. Andy did not see any of that because he was too busy uh, talking, thinking about the uh, the, the the pork. It was worth it. it you know, yeah. his, his line was pretty good. Um, <laughs> want, good I want that dime bag. No, but also, yeah, he wants a dime bag of pork. So, can we talk throughout, about the throughout the, you know throughout the book it's it's always the lion that jumps in front of whatever the thing is yeah. and roars yeah. and faces it and it's always mm-hmm. um the the tin woodsman because it's not the tin man that he's just the tin the tin woodsman um yeah. is like he doesn't want to step up like even when he steps on a bug he starts crying and he rusts because yeah, he's yeah. like he has because he, he thinks he doesn't have a heart mm-hmm. and he's like well because i don't well, have a heart i have to be extra careful not to do anything mm-hmm. like killing anything uh, because you know, you guys have hearts. You guys can feel bad. I don't have a heart. I can't feel bad while he's crying. Right. Yeah. So, and that goes back to what a great echo of uh, movie night automata, right? Yeah. And and yeah. building humanity from artificial intelligence and and, and uh, empathy machines, right? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. something that he has he has the biggest heart because he's so paranoid about it. Yeah. And yeah. Also, there. I mean, within the other media, and again, we're only talking about the movie there's some serious violence that, that goes down like like in, in 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 this world but it's interesting that what i love is that most of that's hinted towards in the movie it's hinted yeah. and usually not seen like it's just under the surface yeah, if you like, like yeah. scratch the no, the yellow brick road just a bad. little bit like mm-hmm. the threat I, no but i mean it's a, it's a very it's a horrifying and it's a grim's brother brother's grim esque thing that you know right. the curse that mm-hmm. uh the Tin woodsman has on him that you know, the, the, he's trying to get um, married to this young Munchkin girl that is being uh, kept by this fat old woman that wants her to keep doing chores. Yeah. So she goes to the Wicked Witch of the East, which kind of then Dorothy crushes the Wicked Witch of the East. So it kind of you realize, like you know, the, the wickedness that the witch is capable of, or whatever. He uh, she curses. By the way, his... Nick Chopper is his name. Which, by the way, if uh, if you, if there was a name for someone that was like a woodsman, Nick Chopper. You already know what your what, what your <laughs> job like is going like to be. Porn, right? It's like a porn. Uh, that sounds like a porn. Focus. You have two jobs. Yeah. Options and yeah. in 1938, <laughs> I don't know. So, Maybe so, um, a motorcycle. So no. <laughs> so she curses the handle of his axe, so that when yeah. he goes to chop the wood, every time he loses a body part, and because he wants to get married to this girl, he keeps chopping the wood, and he like befriends this uh, tin, you know, this tinsmith who keeps attaching parts of him. And then the final one is that his body gets cut in half completely, and he has to stitch him, like you know, I mean, put it put it back together and smelt it. So that yeah. he's now a tin woodsman, and then he's still bitching that he doesn't have a heart, which is kind of like, dude, he saved your life. Like, at least be a little bit thankful. Well, yeah. and his joints are made of iron, which is why he can rust, which is why he's in the position yeah. that he's in. <laughs> what they find, which which is great. And again, I, I understand that if you you know not wanting to hear songs and things along those lines, but I always love the oil corn, oil corn. <laughs> like it's it's such a great like I love, that's timeless. I love, uh, 
Oil can what? <laughs> oil can what? My, my favorite. And if, even then, if you listen to how Jack Haley sings, if I only had a heart and so on, he wants to be a gentle, tender, yeah. sen- sentimental. I'm like, you are sounding like a tender, gentle, awful, sentimental man right now, dude. Like, what are you singing about wanting to have a heart when you have yeah, one already? Just needs a pep talk about it. Exactly. Yes. Which, Let's go. Which, which Dorothy's too busy collecting freaks to give. <laughs> I uh I, I also I also really I love the um because they switched it out from what it was in the book, but I, I love that he gives him the fucking um pep talk about the college degree and he's like, There's a back where I come from, <laughs> there's right. all these things called universities and these guys yeah, yeah. come in to become <laughs> great teachers and uh and they come out with degrees and well he's like they come out and they don't have any more brains than you do. And I love that he hands <laughs> them a fucking degree of thinkology. <laughs> he's like or, or like, and then yeah, he like equals more. MC squared and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the square root of, and he gives, he gives the dumbest look though too. He's like, wow. But that's, <laughs> that's another thing that I didn't know was from this. I'm like, oh, I've seen that done a million times. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes from this. It, yeah, it absolutely no. comes from this. Do you guys know who the real MVP of this movie is though? <laughs> Harry the Cane Terrier who played Toto. Damn straight. Great. Damn straight. Such Wonderful great dog, dog work. Yeah, yeah. She overcame anxiety to do that role. Yeah, yeah. and she got stepped on a winky soldier, believe it or not, during the, one of the castle scenes to recuperate Judy Garland's place, but Judy Garland wanted to have her and keep her, but the, her, her owner's like, no. But I think the cutest thing that I forgot about was when they tackle the soldiers and wear a disguise. Toto, she's like, I have a, I have a red pom-pom in my mouth. I'm going to blend it with the soldiers, too. Yeah. That was the cutest thing. So, so like, cute. Well, and that's a great, and there's a great visual humor too. I mean, like, like with the lion's tail and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, I better hide that. <laughs> but like that, that dog was that. I mean, she died in like night. I'm surprised they didn't try to breed her because she she died by 45. Um, and but she was really like in tune. Like she knew to get out of the basket. She knew to do this. She knew to do that. But I, I, yeah. I, you know, she doesn't get Terry the cane. Terry doesn't get enough credit for doing the probably the best dog acting we've ever seen because most dogs these days are just CGI'd. <laughs> Yeah, well, these dogs. We're doing the soundtrack. Dogs, to dogs don't want to. Yeah. Dogs don't want to act anymore. You know, nobody wants. Not since Luke and Duke from Bad Boys. You gotta get the fucking CGI'd ones. Yeah. What, what did I? I saw. I actually saw a movie very recently that had a very good, very good dog acting in. But I can't remember what it, it is right now. Quiz Lady because it has Crosby King in it, the little tiny pug. He's a wonderful dog actor. I'm sorry, my dad knows all the real names of all dog actors. Our family is invested wow. in them. <laughs> that's our weird like, carnival like, we, we don't we don't like all these kids stories but we do love dog actors like the dog oh, actors what? work hard she has hey. her own like little monument of a grave in like the old west hollywood like cemetery or something like that so like i'm like you know she she is important guys like people forget i'm like you know she knew to follow them she knew when to stop she was trained to you know stop go and sit it was anatomy of a fall there's a really good dog acting in the anatomy yes. of a fall something okay. to look forward to there you go mm-hmm. But also, too, the dog was supposed to asbestos, too. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, so, okay. So, yeah. first, okay. Yeah. So we need to, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, they're in a, they're an opium field. They're off the the wizards. They're in an opium field. Let's let's not, like, just blast past that point. Right? Okay. So, they're in an opium field. Point, yeah, that was, like, completely astonishing to me. I had not any, nobody oh, yeah. mentions that. Let's shortcut through this opium field. Well, Great. Good idea. <laughs> I, um, I didn't. I didn't get I didn't get that when I was a kid. Like I just thought oh, that, no like, shit, Poppy's, really? No, but like no, but I just thought like, oh, I guess Poppy's just okay. put you to sleep. Like Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's wild. It's so freaking There's a lot of poems that say Poppy's put you to sleep, so 
I didn't think about that until I heard that song, Existential Blues, which like tells the story of Wizard of Oz in the middle of the song for no reason. Um, yeah, it's just and, like this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but like they, they get to the part where the poppies and it's just like, because uh, the whole song's about drug references. It's it's, it's just a wild yeah. song. It's like yeah, a rock and roll I, song. Uh, it's it's <laughs> I don't even know what genre. Whatever you say. Okay. It's because it, it's it's uh, it's weird. I'm just, it's, I'm just having a laugh. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I, and like you know, also gave me the phrase. I'd rather have this bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. But uh, anyway. I thought that was a Tom Waitsism. But anyway, whatever. Probably took it from him. But, but like, like it's just uh, the song. The song's crazy. Me. But I didn't realize. I got a frontal lobotomy. I mean, I, you, you, I, I didn't you realize that, uh, that that the whole poppy drug thing until I heard that song in high school. This film like, oh. set was not a safe one. Let's be real. Here. Okay, so yeah, when it starts, when it starts snowing, yeah, yo, that's that's actually asbestos. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like is what we're doing. Oh, Margaret Hamilton makeup was made of copper. Asbestos yeah. is probably a little safer than like heroin that would come out of a poppy field, but <laughs> not by much. In the short term, maybe, but yeah. Yes. yeah. He's a Come on. <laughs> I've seen oh those. Oh my ads. god. If you've been exposed to asbestos, please call us and let us know that you have mesothelioma. You've been waiting your entire conversation. So, so it's not just this. That's what they ask if you um, have died. It's a it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful yeah. life. There's another movie that does the snow trick. Came out that year too. No. Yeah. Oh, so it's like I a common too? Yeah. yeah. Most of the snow, most of the snow used up until when uh, regulations were a thing in Hollywood, it was asbestos. And the asbestos can be. That's what, so okay. After the asbestos part, though, it has what I feel like was one of the the best musical cues, which I believe the song is called "Optimistic Voices," but that's the like it's it's such a just like. Like one inch further, either way, that doesn't work. Like, what the? What is happening right now? But like, <laughs> but like, it's they just got out heroin and asbestos. <laughs> down there, <laughs> down there, like they're, they're, that's how it went down for me. This is peppy little dude. By the another, it's another, it's another song in this movie that just tells you what's going on in the movie. The song says the first line: "You're out of the woods." All right, yeah. so there you go. You're out of the dark. You're into the night. Step into the sun. Step into the light. It's like yeah, like it's like what's happening on screen is being sung about by these like. Keep straight the ahead to the most glorious place on the face of the earth or the sky. Yeah. Hold on to your breath. Hold on to your heart, which the Tin Man can't do, unfortunately. Hold March to up hope. to that gate and bid it open. Yeah. Like, literally, like, that's the next thing they do, Bell right? They try to get in. Order, please knock. Also, Frank Morgan doesn't get enough credit for playing, like, six different dudes in this movie as well. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, like, people forget. They're like, is that the same guy? I'm like, yeah, it is. Who rang that bell? <laughs> He also says my favorite line in the whole movie that I forgot about where he's like, uh, well, bust my buttons. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said you wanted to bring that back. Right? I mean, you didn't look down. You could look down and see the Ruby Slippers, you dumb fuck. But there's been so many characters in cinema that are that character, the gatekeeper character, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so look at something like Labyrinth or something along those lines. It's straight mm -hmm. up from The Wizard of Oz. It's like, and you have to, like, say the right thing to, like, let them in. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, there's a Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Those are those are half the people on Twitter nowadays. Most yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly. We call them. That's like the Sphinx, <laughs> you know. That, that's kind of going back to your D and D, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, again, can't emphasize enough. Like 
optimistic voices is sort of like there's a musical cue that literally tells you what's about to happen after asbestos <laughs> rained on the primary characters and they get out of a poppy field yeah. and this is like a two-minute section of the movie i might add. yeah <laughs> that's like, the only time glenda actually helped though i'm like i love how oh <laughs> which is like someone's always helping that girl I'm like who oh, no Ooh. one really is <laughs> because you did something so Glinda's got some real like chaotic neutral vibes. I know she's got the word yeah. good in her name, but she seems to just be having a shit ass time watching this she's kid faff about. Like she doesn't know the Oz, the Wizard of Oz is is a liar, and she sends yeah. her there like I feel or like doesn't care, just, which is worse. Yeah, TV. Yeah, I think she's totally like well, Loki. I mean, I mean, you could you yes. could you could make the have the theory that they both both Glinda and. Oz have a vested interest in seeing the Wicked Witch of the West die. Temporary so they, allies, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, but good it. people don't have vested interests in like, people dying. No, wait, so, it's uh, like Russia and the United States yeah. versus yeah. Germany. They see this little girl come out of nowhere, and a house uh, hits. You know, hits the Wicked Witch of the East. They're like, oh, we can make, we can actually make this girl do power the thing that we need yeah we, we need her to do yeah dorothy the useful idiot yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i think that, yeah. that speaks to bob yeah. and how much he got scammed and stuff yeah like yeah. he had that, all he was preyed upon for his optimism and belief in humanity often yep. his entire mm -hmm. life and it's it's a horrible story and he never got to see the success of this either yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do. I do love the fucking story that that <laughs> theater troupe in his like hometown was like, "Hey, well, yeah, we got lead roles. We got all these lead roles. You just have to pay for the costumes, and then he paid for the costumes and the dips." That's like just pay five hundred dollars for these headshots. I'll get you a part. Just yeah. buy these headshots. Yeah. Also, too, when they're in, when, when you know, if you guys, you know, obviously Barbie, the Wizard of Oz is heavily mentioned. If you guys remember sure. when the girls are about to leave Barbie Land, they notice she turns around and she sees Kendam being written in a similar way to surrender Dorothy. And I love how they're like, the Wizard will explain it to the Wizard. So I'm like, why? I'm like, Wizard's gonna do what exactly? Y'all haven't seen him in like fifty years. He's not doing shit for y'all. Get out! Like, viva la well, revolution. And, and, and that's and, and that goes back to the influence of Wizard of Oz, right? I mean, it's all over Barbie. There's like the the liminal space between Barbie Land and and the real world. Uh, like, yeah. Like how how they, how they move between the two. So many things that we just take for granted. Oh yeah, that is a quote unquote movie thing. Well, it's a movie thing because of this movie. Yeah. Specifically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, it's it's something where it's more than just tropes as well because it all works it, it works in a way that like you shouldn't quite like us sitting here and questioning uh uh glinda's motivations as a kid you don't worry about that oh, it's glinda the good witch she's hot yeah. obviously she's good yeah. you know like and then oh god fully <laughs> convinced something's the more one, the one thing i ever wanted well, hold on hold on let me actually get to the point that which, right. which is to say that that's where the spinoff media uh, like 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 wicked and whatever decided to like take over right and like well actually maybe these these other witches like there's like uh, some stories behind here that like should be told etc cetera, etc cetera. cool 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 but again this goes back to like experiencing the film as a child versus experiencing as an adult as an adult i was like oh that's wild how like she obviously doesn't want them to die. She doesn't want them to like die in the in the opium field. Just he has to help. There's no one else that's gonna jump in. But she yeah. really doesn't lift a finger. And again, could have been a 15 minute movie. She's like, oh, by the way, those things are like mad powerful and they can take you back right now. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the one. So as a kid, as a kid, the one thing I ever wondered about. As a kid, the one thing I ever wondered about was like, 
Why didn't she tell her about the ruby slippers in the yeah. first place? That's the one she thought did, that she... I like. <laughs> and that goes back to the darkness, right? The fact that this is actually a dark movie because it's like she could have yeah. like she didn't need to walk across the entire magical land to like talk to the wizard or whatever. Obviously, she, she could have flown on her feet. But that's kind of the whole point is that you don't need to go on a magical journey to do any of this shit. You just have to believe in yourself. Confidence cannot be instilled by anyone but yourself. The journey yeah. is the destination. And that's, you know, you can get real uh, Joseph Campbell with it if you feel so inclined. But I, I think that that is, that is not something you understand as a kid at all. Yeah. <laughs> You're just. <laughs> well, and, and also when you don't have confidence, it means that people that want something from you or people that are just Take common, advantage of you. You know, they're confidence men. They're they're the ones with the confidence in that situation. Uh, you know, so I mean like, that's what the wizard is. Yeah. Yeah. The Sam Raimi movie is unfortunately terrible with James Franco. Toto Dennis yeah. was like, I'm tired of this motherfucker. I'm like, I'm tired of this. You know, they're scaring Dorothy and my new friends. I'm gonna do something about it. Ooh, there's a curtain. Can I pull it back? I'm gonna go and pull it back the curtain now. But the one well, good thing love that and... line, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, right? Like yeah, that that's a line that's been that's hit on so many fucking times uh when in culture like our, not our even politics, just movies right like mm -hmm. yeah, well, yeah. In, our, in our in our politics like Absolutely. people always reference like the man behind the curtain there's always a man behind whoever you know the big scary person yeah in front of the person is like the carl rove type <laughs> figure right like <laughs> well and that comes yeah and so that comes down to the fact that like you know the the the, the wonderful wizard of oz is is just punching above his weight class and trying to huckster his way strings. through uh yeah everything the and, mediocre and, wizard of oz <laughs> and again, I wish that I wish that the the Franco movie had been good. It wasn't. It's terrible. Don't watch it. But like, it's it, it is an interesting story because it is something where even in the book, uh, you know, you start off with being like, well, here's this guy. Like, he's clearly like, all right, he seems like he's just a, kind of like a fast talker to a certain degree. Like, doesn't actually have mm -hmm. any power. Uh, yeah. But then you have like, well, look at the fact that this is a completely different culture. A completely yeah. different culture with a completely different uh, value system. Like again, they have guns. Do they have bullets? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't know what a bullet is. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe it arrived. Hold on. Maybe it arrived as like an avatar, like like in another tornado or something. Like wow, this looks like a, a really cool ornamental thing to run around with. And they don't even know it's a weapon. Who knows? It's yeah. Oz, man. It's I mean, Oz stuff. If you remember in the beginning when she goes to see Professor Marvel, he he takes her basket. He's like, close your eyes, dear. He takes the basket, takes out a photo of her and, and Aunt looks Em. looks at the photo. Yeah. And then yeah. he's like, oh, when it's Crystal Ball, he's like, there's this woman with Yeah, and like is doing the, the, the thing that a lot of... Um, you know, mind readers and, and mystics and whatever do, which is the fact that yeah. you're like working a confidence game. I look like Nightmare Alley and stuff like that for things. Yeah, like well, that. I mean, they they have even a name. It's called cold reading. You uh, right. go by context clues, and you're like, oh, you must have a fa a family member, and they're like, I do have a family member. They're like, well, they must miss miss they miss you. They my miss sister you. falls for that shit too because she went to see one after my dad died. I'm like, girl, what? the I'm like you've resolved your issues with our dad. What? Like just stop. She's like, well, well you know, she he went. She went on something about my ex who 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 was awful, and I'm like. So and when I'm speaking of Nightmare Alley, I'm not talking about the Bradley Cooper vehicle. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is, and we did this episode with uh, Eileen yeah. Jones. I think it's the first time Eileen was on, right? Yes. Uh, if you watch the the original Nightmare Alley, which is uh, like 1947 or something along those lines, right? You, right? you you get to see again exactly as it's uh, Tyrone Power, Helen Walker. They're, they're and they're running this confidence game as like a large, a large scale grift basically, and that's. Who the Wizard of Oz is, is he's running the largest large scale grift. And yeah. that is adequately communicated in maybe three scenes, mostly through like kind of throwaway dialogue. 
and how fantastic that it, it is it's so deeply ingrained in like world culture now of, of that yeah the man behind the curtain what is the man behind the curtain well it's the actual dude it's the actual dude doing the it, stuff who's maybe it, less impressive than the gigantic floating head that's telling yeah, you the thing that, yeah with the lightning well, and also, the thunder it's, it's fascinating yeah. that in the world of oz you know at least seemingly like the women have like are actually like are not running the confidence game right like yeah the women are, are witches and they're actually able to use magic the men are not so this is you know this is the society sure. that uh, only through this kind of illusory, illusory um confidence game can like a man like Oz, uh, you know, rise to the top and be like, "Well, I'm an all-powerful wizard. That's why, you know, I need to keep these bitches down that are outside of this castle right now, and I'll be the most powerful of all." Yeah, but I hustling, can only do basically, it. yeah, like, yeah. like, like and, yeah. and 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 make taking advantage of the fact, turning the downside of being an outsider into an upside, which say, <laughs> "Well, there's all these things you don't know about me, like how powerful I am, and all these things that I can do," and yeah. and and like if you are coming from a dishonest place, and again, this goes back to L. Frank Baum and the fact that he was huckstered many, 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 many times. Mm-hmm. Needlessly yeah. so, like heartbreakingly so. I mean, it, it's yeah. a horrible story. But with, with yeah. I think um, there was a story, TV miniseries about his life starring John yes. Ritter. John Ritter. Yes. All I remember is John Ritter was in it as L. Frank yep. Baum, and it was great. And yeah, I and his son Jason played a, played his son in it too. I think that's right. Uh, and Ooh. I also love the, the the only thing I actually remember from that was whenever he like uh, goes, "What's the name of the magical land?" and he turns to the filing cabinet. It says O to Z, and he goes, "Oz." Because <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's like. And 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 that you carry that there's Ev, you know. It's a, yeah. Like it's 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 funny that um, like so a lot of that was you know, the dreamer of Oz, the L. Frank Baum yeah. story. Yes. It was a TV or, movie, by the way. Or like in you know a lot of people with the with Gregor McGuire's novel, a lot of people are like, well, how did he come up with the name Alphaba for the Wicked Witch? I'm like L. Frank Baum. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And speaking of which, with Margaret Hamilton, I again, no one we they had they wanted to originally make the witch look like this, you know, the evil queen from Snow White, but uh <laughs> some of these women were like, I don't want to be ugly. But Margaret Hamilton was like, Okay, fine. Do you guys know that MGM, well, whoever owns like the Wizard of Oz property, has the ownership of the specific color green paint they use? So when they did the Franco movie. They couldn't use that same color paint for Mila Kunis. They had to go with something that was slightly similar, but they don't have, even in Wicked, they don't have the rights to that specific emerald green color. So mm. every every time you look for the emerald paint, it's not the exact color one. Copyright law rocks. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get sued. I don't know what the other color is. It's I, just good. green. It's Mehron green. But um, it is interesting that... That, you know, without Margaret <laughs> Hamilton, the Wicked Witch would not have been as culturally significant as she's been now. Even when, you know, with the Wicked novels and the Wicked yeah, musicals. She's great. I mean, she's really now, fantastic. Yeah. If, if she had lived, you know, 10 or so years, but she died like when she was in her 80s, I think, in the 80s. Um, I bet you she would have been pretty impressed that the Wicked Witch of the West ended up getting a lot more sympathy considering all the spinoff media about her. She finally got to tell her story. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, she's, she's there to get her siblings' dead from... belongings. Like, how do you have to have sympathy for that? It seems pretty yes. obvious. Yeah. She, um, she went from being a, a school teacher to being like yep. a super unappreciated character actress before this. Yes. So, yeah. and so she was only in like a few, she was like a background kind of bit character actress in like a few movies and then got the opportunity eventually to, you know, play the Wicked Witch of the West. She was really like, like a witch. Really? What else? <laughs> yeah. 
There's, uh, and she really I, leaned into it. I mean, she like, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. some like, people say she handed it up. It's like, I'm sorry, did you see the rest of this movie? Everyone's handing it up. No, I mean, no, yeah. it's like it's like finally my chance to shine. Let me show everybody what I can do. Yeah, she's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. to the point that she was brought in as that character on other shows and other media yeah. just yep. to like hang out as that character. Yep. I, I love I love this radio interview that she did though about it. Wicked Witch yeah. herself, Margaret Hamilton. At four. You know, uh, I didn't even think I'd be Dorothy. I didn't think about it seriously at all, really. But I loved the story. And um, so that when this came along, uh, I was thrilled to pieces. I walked in one day to, with the idea of changing the agent I had, and lo and behold, there was Jess Smith, who was my old, old friend in, in New York, who'd come out and was an agent. Well, I was just delighted. And so I went with him, of course. And uh, as, as time went along, one day, he said, uh, they're sort of interested in you uh, for a part in The Wizard of Oz. And I said, oh, gosh, think of that. I said, I loved that story from the time I was four years old. What is it? And he said, well, the witch. And I said, <laughs> the witch? <laughs> and he said, then he said the final thing. He said, yes, what else? <laughs> well, I uh, thought, well... That that's kind of kind of exciting part, but gee, <laughs> I had my you know my eyes on something else. I don't know what it was exactly, but I didn't think about the witch. However, I ought to have because I'd had that nose quite a long while. <laughs> and so I um, went in uh, one day to see, and I was interviewed by the man I knew very well. Who I'm ashamed to say I can't remember his name, but I liked him a lot. And he was the second. He was the second in line. And he said, uh, how do you feel about uh, playing the witch? And I said, I feel great if I get it. And he said, well, we, uh, we're, th we're thinking about it, because, you know, we're not deciding. I said, oh, I know that. I understand that. All right. And he said, well, uh, uh, well, we'll get in touch with your agent. And I said, thanks. And, you know, that's the final line. Sometimes that's the deadline. You know, they never get in touch with the agent or anything else. And uh, so I, uh, uh, one day my agent called and said, uh, Maggie said, they're really kind of interested in you. And I said, what for? <laughs> well, he said, for the witch. <laughs> and I said, oh. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember watching a video of her. I think maybe she was on like a Judy Garland show. Uh, her and Judy, they were reminiscing about the Wizard of Oz. And she was like, oh, you know, you were really such a sweetheart, though. And then, you know, they both, I think they both tried, like she did the witch's laugh and, and you know, Judy Garland just laughed and it really goes to show like a lot of people like that's why as she got older Margaret's like I'm not really the witch like I dressed yeah. up and played her I'm really a nice lady like it's okay well wasn't that thing that Judy Garland like said she kind of found it difficult to, to like act afraid of Margaret Hamilton because he was like super cool yes <laughs> yeah. and she also didn't get treated well compared to Billy Burke who played Glinda yeah. she had a wonderful glamorous trailer and Margaret Hamilton trail was like a rinky dinky little shed with like a lamp and a, and a desk. And that's about it. And she would go in Billy Burks's um, trailer just to be like, so this is what it's like being treated res with respect. Well, and I love that she actually knew the Oz books too. Like even the yes. munchkins, like the, the like, what none of them knew it. like what? Sure. Let's work. Great. You know, like, and she was like, knew the books and liked them. Great. I mean, yeah. that shows exactly what kind of person she is. Yeah. She also and, spent all of her free time schmoozing with the munchkins. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they sound like the most fun of the whole bunch of them, frankly. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> but, I would do that too. But I think yeah. that it's, it's also uh, 
that well it's notable too they, they had cut a bunch of her stuff because it was too scary for audiences yes. at the time which is like what that's uh, nuts because yeah. well, every time she's on screen it's amazing well, she's... the Cucor Vidor Fleming cut <laughs> they, they actually uh she, the the when they first started filming she'd show up in the commentary to to eat yeah and and um uh they they went up to her like uh uh Margo you're you're uh you're scaring everybody uh you, you can't come in here and eat just uh, no, to pay for your meals but you have to eat them in your trailer yeah they did that they did that to the scarecrow and tin man too because they yeah. went they would go to the commissary in full scarecrow and tin man things yeah, yeah. be like oh, you guys can't be in here <laughs> I, I i mean i think that's that's so interesting though and it's also uh, like as a, as a heavy right and again like whether the motivating factors for like the character are on screen or not like She's just a great like. This is who you're up against, and like clearly she's she's this this imposing entity who like wields all this power. She has these flying monkeys. By the way, the most terrifying thing in the movie is for a child. Like yes, the flying played monkeys by, are played by jockeys, no less. They were jockeys. Horrifying. Uh, like, and, in and, a uh, way, my that, understanding is in 19, uh, you know, when this movie came out, yeah, uh, theaters uh, w- would actually have to replace the seats because people would soil themselves whenever this flying <laughs> monkey scene came on. Oh my god, y'all! Um, I, I could not find where I heard that from. Uh, you know, before before this episode, but yeah. but I did remember hearing that and just thought that was like one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard. Yeah. And the North, but I mean, it's crazy. The it, they made. It's scaled down compared to the books. I mean, the book, like, you know, Tin Man, like, like, like there's like 40 wolves that attack and he like chops them to pieces. Like, it's like, it's wild. Like there's like, like bee attacks and like, uh, and, and, and honest. Oh, and also I should mention, uh, doing the Russia uh, and U.S. versus Germany thing, like Wizard doesn't like want her broomstick. He just says, "Go kill her. Go kill the wicked witch." Yeah. Of the West. Go kill my daughter. <laughs> She's about to expose me for being a con man. So it's 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 interesting, you know, the the changes that again were apparently still too intense for people at the, at the time. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's notable. I mean, she, Margaret Hamlin's great. Like she's yes. so good in this. Great and it's worst. The first villain, if you really think about it, you you wouldn't. Nobody would think about Wizard of Oz if not for Margaret Hamilton, frankly. Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of actors nowadays are are scared of becoming a character so much and having audiences like them so right. much that they never get to do anything else. Although yeah. I think in sci-fi, you see people like people like Brett Spiner are going to be Data in other shows Forever. and they're going to do that for the rest of their lives. But also, he he talks a lot about how he hates that, but that's where he is. So it's it's interesting to see. Not only does she do that, she loves it. So it, it is yeah. it is enjoyable. Well, I mean, the, the yeah. thing the thing about that is that the other women that were that they were considering for the Wicked Witch did feel that right. Like they, they yeah. were all like, I don't I don't want to do this terrible. because yeah, I'm afraid that that's just going to be my thing now. And yeah. she was like, she didn't really have anything else going for her at that time, right? No. Like. Uh, so they weren't casting her in these big projects. She's kind of just like, I mean, she looks kind of like a school mom or whatever, you know, from that from that time period, right? Like, which is what she was before she was an actress. So, like, you can see why she's like, well, look, if I'm going to be something, you know, like, this is a chance yeah. to be something huge rather than, um, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I mean, Brent Spiner also had a career before Star Trek. Like, uh, let's mm-hmm. not forget, uh, you know, yeah. he... he um, I mean, he wasn't, you know, like a star or anything like that, but but he was regularly getting work on various mm-hmm. TV shows. Um, and that kind of stopped after Star Trek. Yeah. You know? yeah. But he can make his money on, on going to tours and things like that, which you can't and really do. It's in his album. Yeah. 
if I was known for like one role that ended up being very much outlasting in the zeitgeist and pop culture and being so iconic, mm-hmm. I would be forever be like Margot Hamilton and be like, you know what? I did the damn thing. That's what I'm known for. I'm going to, you know, relish in it. And, you know, if people have questions. I'm going to do it. Like, I want to, you know. How about I being a be character sure. whose every line is quoted ad nauseum? It, like yeah, in media you know, until the end of time. Well, so this is great because, like, you hear so many actors, uh, like the guy who played Jamie Lannister said when he got the script for Game of Thrones, his friends made fun of him. People told him, don't do that. Uh, Ian McKellen told uh, Patrick Stewart, don't become Picard. This is a death sentence. Yep. You don't get to know you're going to be in oh, the like zeitgeist until you take, you know, you bite the bullet. You, this could be career ending. It could be who you are for the rest of your life. It's such a double-edged sword. Well, yeah. and and again, it's nice to see people that, that embrace that. Cause again, it, this goes beyond <laughs> wizard of Oz goes beyond just being a good movie. This, this is an intrinsic part of, of culture uh, in, in a very, in a very large way, again, endlessly homaged, <laughs> endlessly referenced, <laughs> endlessly, remade usually as gritty reboots which just means you don't understand the source material at all like mm-hmm. I, I swear i swear it's i i would love to see any oz property that isn't well it's wizard of oz but it's gritty i'm like i, I you don't also, get it you don't understand what makes but there are zombies yeah. so it's gritty and, yeah. uh, and what i don't understand is it, it, there's been rumors of a remake and everyone's like well the wicked witch of the west is gonna be a lesbian and this is gonna be this i'm like i'm like y'all in the wicked is <laughs> they make the wizard of oz woke <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't matter what skin, what what race is being is playing the witch. She's gonna have green skin regardless. You dumb fucks. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. look, like I I know I I may have not said like the nicest things about about the Wiz because I don't think it's that great of a movie. I, th- I think there's elements of it that are good. I think the Dorothy was supposed to be a kid, not be played by Diana fucking Ross for one thing. That's that's one of the problems I have with it. But but not the least of which is that like Sydney Lumet. Oh my god, can I just get the sentence out? Sydney Lumet is a great director. Why was Sidney Lumet doing The Wiz? Anybody? No, because no one understood at the time either. No, He's the wrong dude to make that movie. Maybe, maybe he needed some uh, cocaine yeah. money. And the fact that the cocaine witch was money. sitting on a fucking toilet the whole time, all you had to do was flush her down, like... Well, I mean, like, look, we're not picking apart The Wiz. Like, he should have done, he should have done uh, Oz Day Afternoon. It's called yeah, the Wiz like, that has a toilet in it. That's a terrible thing. Okay, all right, all right. Like, enough. We're, we're, I'm, I'm wishing, and that that topic's being wished away. But like, yeah, the director for like Twelve Angry Men and Serpico, I wouldn't be like, yeah, let's do a remake of The Wizard of Oz that's like like black centered. No, mm-hmm. that's silly. But I think Margaret Hamilton again typecast for all time, and and a happy warrior at it. Mm-hmm. Good, great. Okay. It's a great role. It's freaking great. And again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier that. You don't have a timeless movie without that character being that larger than life. And you don't have mm-hmm. someone uh, playing it that can't do that larger than life. Or it, it does not, does not, oh my God, 12 Angry mm-hmm. Munchkins. <laughs> it's almost like a Boris Karloff, you know, or Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Like it, yes. it embodies so much of what people think Dracula is, was just that one guy dressing up as Dracula or yeah. a Dracula. Yeah, it's true. It, it's absolutely true. Like it, it, until um, you know, uh, and not just Dracula, vampires in general. Until you got mm-hmm. to like you know, these Fakakta Twilight movies and whatnot. But even like with the Bram Stoker Dracula, people were were running around like comparing it to uh, the, you know the the old school, you know the the black cape and and all of the, all of the things. Yeah. Where it's like, no, that's just that one movie. It's just I that one would, movie. Uh, I would watch. They still I would fill watch those at Party City. 
Right? Of course they a, do. Sure. I'd watch a Cindy Lumet uh, directed Wizard of Oz remake where it's Al Pacino playing the Scarecrow. <laughs> like Dorothy, we have Ooh, to ah. go to the Emerald City. I, 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 I only had a brain. I, I do. Oh, think I, that I have. I have. I have I, a great brain. I, I have a scene that I wanted <laughs> to bring. You see up. the donkey, and he just goes, "Great ass." <laughs> There it is. Okay, that's a good uh, version of what I said. I, I, okay. I had a scene that I wanted to bring up that I completely forgot. Um, I I forgot about uh, the scene with the trees. Yes, where, what do you think you know, you're doing? Where, where, is she there know. too? Why the fuck is she there? <laughs> She's just, oh, I'm going to hide in the bushes behind these trees. Yeah, it's not even like she, but like, I love that the trees, I love that the trees talk. And the first fucking thing, um, you know the scarecrow like does is like oh watch this I can get I can get you free apples which how does he know that trick he's been around for he's only been alive for like <laughs> how do you know <laughs> yeah yeah scarecrow talking trash to him he's like it's a, like he was talking trash to them like you know like 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 well she does it was a sheer like it didn't need to be escalated scarecrow can he like, even die though. Like he can get how unstuffed does he have to get to die? Like we see him completely guts out, and they're just like mah, 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 put him back together. No, so so like, so does he even need to fear death? It's like Return of the Living Dead rules. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what the rules are for Scarecrow. So they they rip all of the the straw out of him and just leave him as like a burlap sack. The flying monkeys in the novel, and they just throw him down onto the rock pretty much and sprinkle him all over into the trees and they still bring him back by stuffing him back up with straw so i don't think he, he doesn't die he also doesn't sound like he jesus <laughs> he was he was, was up on died. some wood yeah that's <laughs> what i'm saying that's what i'm saying what's your personal relationship with the scarecrow have you asked him to your heart i'm here to talk to you today about a love of scarecrow <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's so, so okay what what the the idea of the, like the quest right the quest and everybody has their own agenda the thing that they're trying to get to you know like a brain a heart the noive uh, and everybody <laughs> has <laughs> everybody has the thing that they're that they're looking for and it's it's a it's a commonality a commonality of purpose and goals that it's it's a classic trope of uh, storytelling that you have the, these people that like otherwise maybe wouldn't have any anything in common banding together and becoming greater than the sum of their parts. And I think this is this is it's done so effortlessly. And again, in a way that you're like, you have to be kind of bought into it to, to be like, all right, sure. First of all, there's an animated scarecrow running around. Why? It's a magical land of Oz. That's why. Shut up. And then, like, and then there's a dude made of tin. Why? Well, there's a crazy story behind it, but don't worry about it. Like, like he's he's looking for th everything kind of escalates and moves along. And you get something that like becomes so endearing and so warm. And again, remember, these are people that in in Dorothy's Kansas, like exist as analogs of like, you know, people in her life that are they're farm ants. She doesn't know them super well, but they're around the mm -hmm. farm. You know, they're running around, they're mm -hmm. talking trash to each other, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and to have that aspect of it, I think is one of the things that make it makes it uh poignant uh, as as a film as well. First of all, I, I will say this as an adult, I'm like, why do you want to go back? It sucks there. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I've driven through Kansas recently. Still sucks. Sorry. Yeah. Apologies to our yeah. Kansas fans. But, like, you're in the land of Oz. Hang out. Yeah. <laughs> and she does it in, in, in the other in the other books as well. I, I forget. It's um the, the third one, I think. But, like, it's like, 
why are you going back? It sucks there. Like, bring Auntie M in, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fall into a coma. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but then that goes back to, you know, the Matrix mentality, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. But does the witch really die is what we're asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just think it, it is... I probably wouldn't keep water around if that was my weakness. I think, uh, if but I then remember, look at signs. Those aliens come to a planet composed mostly of water. I, <laughs> I remember like some of the first pages. I like. I remember reading Wicked, and some of the first pages was when she was born or whatever, and she would she would like scream if she was near water, so they had to give her milk baths instead. Mm. So it's like I'm like she she knew she knew, I but scream if I'm around know. milk. And also, they had to give me, had to give me water baths. Right. <laughs> Quickly, Google's the water percentage of milk. <laughs> yes. uh, well and that goes back to the gremlins rule right it's like well well hold on a second like how do they you know like, and that's and the answer of course it's dehydrated it's magic is why shut up magic. It's magic. <laughs> shut the hell up oh, kid. oh it's, magic. it's magic look kid it's magic don't worry about it it's all part of the story yeah you've never seen any rebels in the desert do you uh well, she, she actually dies because it's uh it's scarecrow blessed holy water <laughs> Oh shit, she's a vampire. Oz is, Oz is the OG Matrix. Take the green pill. That's good. That's good. Solid. It'll make your skin green if you do. Or drink it just up. an yeah, iron take, pill. Big ass green the, pill. Just iron. Take the take the green pill to go to Oz and have an adventure. Take the ruby pill to go home. <laughs> well, ruby yeah. pill is cyanide. Yeah, and, and the ruby it's, pill is misogyny. And much. <laughs> much like the narnia movie uh, books and, and whatnot there's, there's different ways to get to oz as well and it gets into mm -hmm. that spin-off media and, and that's interesting but it's not the scope of the discussion so i just think mm -hmm. it's it's interesting that um it's the ruby slippers or, or you know originally the silver shoes but it's the ruby slippers mm -hmm. which <laughs> so it's had to be comfortable she's walking that brick road a long time that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah, seem pretty comfortable you know <laughs> Uh, KT, you ha you said you prepared. I know. So, uh, so people that are not aware of KT has, has a show. We'll get to in the plugs, but uh, we'll call what if I don't like it? You did a little mini episode with Forrest, which was interesting. I listened mm -hmm. to it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, and I know you pre prepped a lot of stuff for this. Uh, you said you had uh, like a whole things of questions for the panel and stuff like that. Did you have any you wanted to get to? I was sprinkling them in, sprinkling okay, them in. Um, but I, I I still have. Well, I guess I really have two questions that we didn't answer right. um so let's, let's, no, let's fill those two before we go to one-liners because okay the first question is could could she not have just put the dog on a leash it seems like it, they had leashes <laughs> back then right <laughs> that would have solved the problem with the analog of the witch too. i have yeah. like been a bit of a dick about it like i told him to go on the guard just put the dog on a fucking leash how many times are you gonna get warned <laughs> Especially if that's your neighbor, <laughs> you know. Like, she also owns half the town, so she's one of the upper class. If we remember yeah, that, like, no, it's like your your neighbor is like the local baroness of the <laughs> Kansas town, and you're like, I'm gonna let my dog go in her garden. Fuck her. Yeah. You own half the town doesn't mean you have the power to run the rest of us. Honest to God, just I, a I rope works as a leash. I do love the line where she's like, "I've been waiting 23 years to uh, say what I think of you, and now." I don't. She she loses the noise. And as a Christian woman, I'm still yeah. not going to say, say it. it. Yeah. No. And Myra, no, like, 
What? That was because whatever she said wouldn't have been as bad as what she could have imagined. She'd be like, I won't have to curse, but she'll think I curse like a motherfucking yeah, exactly. sailor up there. She, she's uh, three-dimensional the, uh, chess. Page on uh, leashes right now, and uh, I still can't find out when they were invented. But my God, um, rope leashes are cheap, but they can be chewed through. <laughs> you know, it's, it gets you halfway there. That's true. Um, uh, my other question to you guys was... Um, it's a part where they're all saying goodbye. Hey, they were invented in ancient Egypt, by the way. I, I oh, so up. then leash is invented. Good. Why did she say that to the scarecrow in front of the other two guys? It's so rude. Okay, okay. I do have an answer to that. I, yes, I do have an answer to that. Yes. So there was a uh, a storyline that they had. Where Dorothy and the Scarecrow were gonna have like a romantic connection. Yeah, her, her, and her, and what's so they, they were gonna have some kind of romantic connection. And the only line they kept from that whole storyline was, "And I think I'll miss you most of all." And it's because she bones the Scarecrow. Out of context, she just like a burn and has the greatest burn I've ever heard. I mean, if you read the Wicked novel, you would know that the Scarecrow was actually uh, the witch's former lover, so that's kind of weird too. Yeah, but none of no, they didn't know any of the Wicked was written in fucking like nineteen ninety something. Like they, I know, but it's still kind of like that always threw me off too. I'm like, what? I'm like, they could have just adjusted that script line. No, okay, cool. Again, a perfect example of having saying less and it being better, which maybe this show mm -hmm. could learn from. Uh, <laughs> what, anything else, Katie? Last question. At the end, when she wakes up from the coma, are the cops still, they're still coming for the dog though, right? Nope. No, no. I mean, I guess, I guess there's bigger Margaret problems Hamilton. with the tornado. The tornado. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What if Albert Gotts died in the tornado? Like all the stakes prior to the coma are still there, right? Yeah, that would be, so that goes back to my argument of like, why go back? Yes. She's like, uh, oh, no. she's like, Auntie M is gonna miss me so much. I don't think so. You seem like you're kind Here's of a another person on that family. I'm out the feed during a dust bowl, kid. I mean, yeah, slip away. Auntie M is gonna be bummed out. Don't get me wrong, but Auntie M is gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's all right. But she again, that, account. but that also comes back to it being like a generational thing and and like of a different time where people's familial connections. We're talking about like the fact that. People would not travel more than 20 miles from their home ever. They're like Andy. Yeah. Or me. <laughs> where like people would just really tie to their homes, right? They were tied to like where they grew up. They like went to, to school. They they and they, they farmed and like maybe had a rough go of it. But the idea of like that was your home and and like be it ever so crumbled. You know, like cause that that house is no great shakes before the tornado. It certainly wasn't mm -hmm. approved by it afterwards. But like it, like it that was just a thing of the time that people didn't travel much. So, so if you're like, okay, how fantastical is it to be whisked away to another land, another land, yeah. crazy? That'd be impossible. How would that ever happen? What would that look like? But also and I at think, the end, I'm sorry, no, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I think that ties back to it, right? That that, that you mm -hmm. have well, people are tied yeah. to their family and 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 can't think of. They could not think of ways out of their material conditions. Uh, that that like you're like, well, I can't leave them you know i, I can't mm. leave the farm they're going to be like they're going to need me more than ever to do what i don't know but that's not the point well, professor marvel tells her that mm. her aunt is sick is sick and exactly. is looking for mm. her like that's the kind of you know manipulation of the of, of so if marvel just guy. kept his so, trap shut maybe dorothy yeah. would be 
cold lamp she in an Austin. Caught in a tornado, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting how they show the audience this marvelous place that they could go to, and then the message at the end is like, "Stay at home, though." <laughs> keep working it's a pandemic out there you know yeah oh COVID you're an essential worker too bad you can't stay in us <laughs> the munchkins are essential workers they gotta yeah, come yeah, in. yeah oh yeah get that munchkin coroner in here we got another body dropped <laughs> no literally a, something dropped there's a line on. there's you. a line in the uh there's a line in the book the wicked witch um the Wicked Witch is saying like, "Oh, I'm. I, I think you got like to the wolves. She's like, you guys can just rip them apart because look, it's a it's a little girl, a scarecrow, a tin man, a lion. None of them can work, so they wouldn't make very good slaves." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's make sure we get that in there. Let's let's just add insult to injury. <laughs> but it, it was. I mean, you got to understand. This is like like he's writing these like the end of the eighteen hundreds. You know, like it's crazy that like how very like, dated. I, and but it's also. <laughs> Somebody did say cold lamp and flavor flavor. Yes. Uh, it also is notable that these were some of the new American folk tales. In mm -hmm. way. And, and the fact mm -hmm. that when you think of the updating of, of the grand narrative, the, uh, the, the nursery rhymes and, 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 and things that um, the, the Grimm's fairy tales, stuff like that. Like this was like a modern updating of that with modern sensibilities, which again, mm -hmm. seem crazy dated now. Of course they do. Because we're not living on a homestead, you know, like we're we're not in like in Kansas in like the late eighteen hundreds. But it is there is a heart sensibility and humanism to all of it that again there is a guilt complex of, of like where even if she's considering like staying in Oz, can't do that. How will my family you make do without me? They're they're not going to be able to. And I think that that's probably answers the own own question. But like as an adult, I'm like yo, I just would have stayed. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, uh, one of these little munchkin hovels empty. Can I just hang out here? Like, are you going to be dicks about it? I just really wanted tall. to live in the witch's castle. A lot of her really props were actually six. used for other movies. They were used for oh. other movies? I mean, that was common at the time. You just saved the money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, if you got a set, use it. Yeah. <laughs> Lost in Space was entirely based on using shit from other Listen, things. kid, I didn't pay 50 cents to this painter to not use this 17 times over in seven other films, all right? Figure out a reason to use it, kids. It's a desk. Exactly. Oh, Figure geez. it out. There's a desk in this picture now. It's going to be a central character. Which, gone with the desk. I don't know if you gone guys Gone with the saw... desk. It's a sequel you didn't know you needed. I don't know if you guys ever saw Marie Antoinette with Norma Shear, but there's a moment Great where, picture. There's, where they're starting to up, the, the French are starting to uprise against Marie Antoinette, and they use the the uh march of the castle whatever that one song that's used when you know before the witch gets melted where they're chasing her or they're chasing them around the castle that song is used again in the marie antoinette uh movie with with norma shear and uh john barrymore i was like wait a minute i know that song they call it fair use you don't have to pay for it <laughs> kids is that's that a right. copyright like, Talk uh, to Steamboat like, Willie about that one. Am I right, like, kids? Oh, ha, ha. oh ha, ha. we must overthrow the king and queen. We're off to see the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's interesting that you call this like an American. It's American folk tale, American folklore, because it reaches that point of feeling almost biblical, where like the references that weave themselves in and out of the stories that we tell now. Are so deeply influenced even though this is deeply dated like the bible is deeply dated and and like the bible i've never read the bible but i still get when you put a baby in a basket in a river what's going on 
and I'd never seen this movie, I still get a lot of what was going on. So right. you don't need a gritty reboot of the Bible. Yes, you don't. No. <laughs> yeah, you missed the Lynn, point if you need one. Stay away. <laughs> but I mean, Narnia is the same way, right? And that's like way more overtly Christian. But, but oh yeah, well that's his whole jam. But the whole thing with that, you know, is writing it's the C.S. Lewis, Christian Science Lewis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but it's again a, a rich tradition of trying to write something of the now, but also making something timeless in the in the, in the process. And mm -hmm. a lot of it had to do with with uh, L. Frank Baum's actual experiences. Mm -hmm. ostensibly homesteading and not having the easiest go of it and then finding this career with these things that like touch people and finding a modicum of success with it and being taken advantage of time and time and time and time again over and over again mm -hmm. and again go see that john ritter made for tv movie if you want to know more if you can even find it it is good but he also <laughs> fell into the category of like Drats, people keep helping him, like that that kind of right. thing. Because he starts off with his dad, uh, his dad <laughs> strikes oil. Traps. Well, his dad strikes oil and he makes a shitload of money, right? Like, yeah. so he's kind of rich to start out with. And then his uh, his wife's mother was like a famous suffragette slash political activist. Yep. So he like had that. So like he does have kind of a one of those like um yeah he keeps getting scammed but he like lands on his feet somewhat. And of course, dies at a very young age of a stroke, so maybe not so much. But well, yeah, and he, and he never gets to see his work achieve the kind of just universal, worldwide acclaim that, uh, that it's known for. Like that's like that's mm -hmm. something he never gets to see. He also um, uh, he he went he went pretty much broke um, at the end of his life because he was like invested in a play that somebody did, and he like put all of his money into this person's play, and the play fucking did not do well. So like that was his big like uh, that was his nine eleven or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, apparently, you, oh, so you can find <laughs> the Dreamer of Oz is the name of that John Ritter movie, and it's on YouTube uh, on mm -hmm. some channel called the Oz Archive. So I guess you can watch it, which makes sense. I don't know who would be looking for. Like, no, you can't stream that. <laughs> yeah, the of John but it Ritter. is pretty good. I mean, I remember yeah. I haven't seen it in years, but it was you know it's John Ritter is all Frank Baum, and it's, it's yeah, he's, he's appearance of his son. Because, yeah, like, like, honestly, uh, it's like one of the parts that like John Ritter's so well cast in as well. Like, like yeah, this, no, absolutely. This is this was like before when he, you know, he was still doing serious stuff. This was before the 90s where he started to play characters that were kind of eccentric and crazy. Yeah, and, right, right. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's like 1990, I think, or something like that. But anyway, mm -hmm. it, it is good. You can watch on YouTube. So, um, but yeah, there is. So, so that goes. All right. There's so much spinoff media and social media. Uh, social media. <laughs> there's so much other forms of media. Comic books. Uh, there's yes. there's uh, the musicals. Wicked. There's sequel movies. The most famous. Uh, Return to Oz is actually pretty good. Like yes. I remember when we were talking about movie. That movie fit. traumatized me. It's, it's I incredibly know, I traumatizing. Know, I didn't know what electroshock therapy was. I had never heard of it. Didn't know what it was. And then I watched the fucking Return to Oz. And the first scene, I, it's seared into my memory, is her getting electroshock therapy. And in my brain, I was like, they can do that to a person? Like, Yeah, so so <laughs> for the uninitiated, Return to Oz, which is a, a pastiche. Not an LSD trip. It's a pastiche of the second and third Oz book. Pretty good, but starts off with Dorothy being in, being put into a sanitarium and given electroshock therapy because nobody believes her stories about Oz, which is sort of like go, that goes back to why didn't you just stay in Oz? This place exactly. sucks. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's, it's gaslit. 
we talked about it. We did talk about it. Not even for Movie Night Adventure, for Movie Night Fantasia. So going way back. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I remember specifically the conversation was, we can't do Return to Oz without doing The Wizard of Oz. That's insane. That's insane to do that. And there's no way we can do it. But it is yeah. pretty good. It Absolutely. is a good movie. It's and, a cult classic. And she, again, goes back to Kansas afterwards like, Yo, they were trying to electroshock therapy. Yeah. Like, why are you going the back? First time they're trying to kill, the first time they're trying to kill her dog, she's like, I'm going back. Yeah. The second time they're, they're trying to fucking shock mm-hmm. her into, like, you know, having a normal brain. She's like, I'm still going back. That's, I... one, that's one loyal young lady. That's all I got. Uh, someone who's a musical theater. I just love Kansas. I, I do. And also who read Gregory McGuire's Wicked novel when she was 12. Probably shouldn't have because it's very political. Um, and sexual. It, yes, that's true. Um I feel like Rick McGuire invented the origin story for the villain. Like, oh, maybe the witch had motivations. Like, you know how a lot of movies nowadays have like, oh, well, the villain has their reasons for being evil. They're not, they weren't born wicked. They had, you know, here's how they, here's how the, they, this character that you think of only as this one note villainous entity came to yeah. be that way and here's their story sure and, and it's like you know Margaret hamilton is known for playing the witch and nina mazel is known for two things to find gravity and let it go she played two characters who were deeply misunderstood if you think about that now right. so this is, being, this is uh, adam sandler's wife in uh in uncut gems, uncut gems. <laughs> and, and you do see a lot of that in, co- in comic books i think in arkham asylum and a lot of the vertigo stuff that started to come out in the mid 90s you start to see people take a look at is Batman even a good guy? What are what is what is it to be good? What is it to be a villain? Becomes a you know, I mean, this is kind of the age of the uh, the antihero, right? Like mm-hmm. that wasn't a concept that really existed in the public imagination until the last couple of decades, mm-hmm. right? But that is in this book. This this actually started as me attempting vainly to summarize all the various spinoff media and other things that are. So, oh yeah, no, there are so much of Ooh, it. Yes. I did the math. There are thirty adaptations. Crazy. Seven of them are before the one we watched. The remainder are after. Sixteen of them are for TV. There are seventeen musicals. Like, I mean, and that was the thing so during during uh, you know L. L. Frank Baum's own life, right? Like he wrote fourteen Oz books himself. Yeah. But also, there's you know there, there were plays that existed that he helped out with, and then he mm-hmm. tried to do more than one like Oz silent film, which. I don't know why you would like so much of it is verbose. I don't know why you try to do a silent film adaptation. Of well, that was the only that was the only option. Yeah, like, yeah I know. Talkies weren't around yeah. yet. <laughs> like, why did you even wait? Talkie it? code it. That's why he died. Out. So, come on. got on that path. <laughs> and there's also Marvel. Marvel Comics actually did an adaptation, a pretty good adaptation yeah. of, of a bunch of the of the early books. They did. Yeah, uh, Scotty Young was... and I forget the writer's name who's been actually doing Oz adaptations for decades. Right. Um, he's he's actually a fantastic artist on his uh, own, but Scotty Young just kind of blows him out of the water. So and, uh, I would say those are one some of the better ones because first of yeah. all, it gets past Wizard of Oz and actually yes. kind of bu- builds a little bit of that, which it seems like nothing ever does. Like even Wicked goes before, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, I know people keep bringing up the Wiz in the comments. I understand that the Wiz is a movie. Again, I don't think it's a very good movie. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Not Joel, sorry. Joel Schumacher uh, wrote the script. I'll, I'll respect and love Sydney Limit never should direct it. Yeah. <laughs> if someone no, else had directed it, the songs I think are actually pretty good in the Wiz. Like, but that's that's yeah. like you know such a minor point. He anyway. should have done Oz Day Afternoon, starring <laughs> starring Al Pacino. I, w- I will say Michael Jackson was cast ah. perfectly as Scarecrow. Scarecrow sitting there, Attica, Attica. Attica. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, 
I need a brain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 So anyway, the the point of all that was that like, it's culturally, it's, it's insane how ubiquitous it is, Uh, which, which, and again, I feel like every three years, someone, and it's always like, oh, it's going to be a gritty reboot of Wizard of Oz. Okay, great. That's the the thing that we don't need. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, But there, it's constantly some people come back to usually failing. Yeah. Failing more often than not. There the, was the, a the story reboot about of Wizard of Oz. The gritty uh, reboot of Wizard of Oz joke reminds me of the fucking show Oz. The, the, okay. show the prison, like, it's, it's, it's about the land of Oz. No, it isn't. Don't watch it. I, I am not going to lie. I watched that like, show being like, I wonder what this is like. And I thought it was that. I thought it was an yeah. Oz adaptation. <laughs> it's way more musical than you'd think in the first few episodes, much like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but yeah, there was this mini series on stars called Dorothy and the Witches of Oz, which was just yeah, it's on stars. Chris didn't have any Chris from Maloney in it, and it sucked for that reason. Yeah, Ugh, Sean Astin was in it. Oh Lord! All right, anyway, you uh, <laughs> you go to Return to Oz, and you're like. Oh, this is the wrong Oz. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the wrong one. We should... <laughs> I also love the fact it's like that when I... you're tagging something on social media and you don't check what the tag is. Yeah. Like, oh no, that's definitely the wrong. That's not the right Oz at all. Giuliani yeah. told me this was the right Oz. <laughs> but all the fact that the uh, the, the ogre king in uh, the Return to Oz looks so fabulous in Dorothy's shoes because he gets the. Ruby I could. I could. I could. I could snap correct you so hard because it's the gnome king. But I'm gnome not king. I'm gay. Yes. Yeah. Who's the gnome king? Didn't you just watch it too, though? I, I did. Like I can remember. The guy, I, I was, and the gnome king is way different than than in the books. But like the guy who plays it's actually really good. Like he's a really yeah, scary no, villain. He's fantastic. Return yeah. to Oz is deeply scary. Yeah, like one of his last roles was in the Spawn movie. That was absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a career. Anyway, uh, yeah. So. Letterboxd is a Doctor Ross. Who can forget the greatest spinoff of all? Uh, Letterboxd is a is a social media site for film lovers who talk out with into each other about the movies that they love. Maybe the movies that they didn't love. Maybe the movies that they were uh, had all kinds of opinions on on spinoff media. Who knows? Everybody gets to opine about it, though. Not just Siskel's and Eberts of the world. Everyone gets to have their say. It's a bottom-up democracy. Uh, and this is best expressed, for the purposes of this bit anyway, when people keep it succinct. Keep it succinct, people. And in a very pithy, uh, working on your tight five sort of response, talk about the film in question. So these are the letterbox one-liners for The Wizard of Oz. Let's roll them. The lesson I've learned from this is that manslaughter is awesome and will make people like you. (laughs) (laughs) And steal trophies, just like the British. Yeah, but also, if you do manslaughter, right, and then fucking people are like, oh, they could probably kill another person. And then stun, they, stun they, silence they, to that one only. But yeah. well, no, then they set you on like the terrorist that's been terrorizing them. They're like, ah, oh, you can do this. Don't oh, worry. Okay. All right, let's see what you're doing. Okay, it's a setup. It's a con job, people. <laughs> when this came out in 1875 or whatever, it must have blown people's fucking minds. <laughs> oh man! Although I do think you can understand that scene when it goes from black and white to color. That there is like even even though it's not that cool for you, you can understand that it blew people's minds. It still looks pretty rad, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Like, First like of it, all, what is the strange moving picture? Second of all, why is it in color? <laughs> <laughs> Thirdly, I think I just soiled myself because of those flying monkeys. Someone get the loose. Dude, I was so fucking afraid of the flying monkeys as a kid. 
Flying Monkeys are straight so. terrifying, man. They're very upsetting. The gossip around MGM was that the lion was a confirmed bachelor. <laughs> he was just, he was just uh, born to be a sissy, you know? Exactly. The Tin Man got sick moves. Go, Tin Man, go! <laughs> go, Tin Man, go, Tin Man, go! Go, Tin Man, go, Tin Man, go! There you go. It, uh, I feel like it did age well that they, they shortened, like, Tin Woodsman down to Tin Man. Yes, yeah. Tin yeah. Woodsman, yeah. yeah. Got changed change times, man. Hello, I'm the Tin Woodsman. You got any wood in here? I'll chop it down. I love Tin Woodsman's latest role in that Kenneth Branagh piece. It's awesome. (laughs) It's a great character actor. I've literally never seen this before. Here's what I learned. Trust every freak. Kill every old woman. Yes. They should have killed Glinda, too. Honestly, that's who they should have killed to begin with. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, it's the... Yeah. The Cowardly Lion looks better than the CGI cats. No shit. Cats happened, and then God was like, let there be a worldwide plague. Yeah. Seriously. I don't believe in divine intervention, but I would be justified in that case. Five years old, that movie. Fuck. For 23 years, I've been dying to tell you what I thought of you. And now, well, being a Christian woman, I can't say it. There you go. Oh, that's the best review. That's the best one. This is the this, that's the first instance in this movie of uh, somebody being supremely unhelpful to Dorothy. Like, oh, yeah. then for the rest of the movie, it happens over and over and over again. Yeah. Let's not forget that the scarecrow came strapped. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people forget they had a, that they, he was given a gun. I'm like, he yeah. does have a gun. It is easy. That was something I forgot about. I was like, where did he get that gun from? And again, I'm that comes back to the, the wizard gave him the well, and, and that's what came to me thinking about like the munchkins with the guns too. I'm like, well, do they know what guns are? Do they have ammunition? Like, there's a whole like you know, again, a, a better call Saul style prequel story for for that, I suppose. But we're off to shoot the wizard. <laughs> I'm gonna blame the wizard. He probably brought all those guns with him. He probably was. Yeah. He's from America. He had to. He's, <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that introduced him to guns. He's like, he probably like, did. Look, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything, uh, uh, anything revolutionary to tell you, but I, I can uh, sell you arms. They're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like you, the Tony you, Stark <laughs> without, without the Iron Man. I can't arc. give you backup. <laughs> you, you, you mean, you mean like an extra pair of arms? <laughs> no, that's not no. what I mean. <laughs> if some random bitch in a bubble made me walk for hours on end, only to tell me that all I need to do is click my heels three times and I'd be home, I would beat her up. Yeah, she's, she's not even a little bit upset. Seriously. Like, Again, I would passive aggressively point it out. I'd be like, oh, so like I could have done this whenever, huh? Yeah, I, I oh, did have to go murder somebody. She she hits the point where you know, like, and I've hit this point before. At the end of the night, you just want to go home and like however, you know, however that's gonna yeah. happen. It's like mm. like I, I just want to go. So like they're like, oh, you can click your feel like your heels together three times and say. You know, there's no place like home. You're, not, you're like your brain is just exhausted to the point where you're like, oh, okay, it's like after hours or something, yeah. right? Like an after <laughs> yeah. hours, where it's like I just, I just want to go home, man. I just, it's just <laughs> cool, man. Cool, man. Far <laughs> out. Well, the surrender uh, is you know. very different at after hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> 
So those are Letterbox One Liners for The Wizard of Oz. Please follow the show on our HQ account at Movie Night Extra. We are in 2024 posting up all the stories of all of the wonderful movies that we cover on this show. Uh, Yo, it was crazy us. looking at the the feed, and then the mm-hmm. first thing I saw was like the interstellar thing. I was like, "That's us." Front page, baby! That's right. So uh, if you don't already, please follow the show on that platform. Also, you can follow uh, King of the Forest over there, a.k.a. Mayor of Munchkin City, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor! <laughs> uh, always... two, I've got two titles. You do. I appreciate that you just said to give you two Yo, two uh, by the way, Munchkin City hasn't been the same since they elected Eric Adams. Kind of... <laughs> At always Flacco, please follow him on Letterboxd. He's logging all the stuff we do in this show and much, much more. I, of course, am the wonderful Wizard of Neutron at Conan Neutron. Follow me for the highbrow, the midbrow fair, uh, the populist stuff at Criterion Challenge 2024. In full effect, I'm doing film school dropouts as well. So follow me along for all those if you want to uh, take a deep dive into weird esoteria cinema and even stuff that I probably should have watched a long time ago, which a lot of that is as well. Glinda was the real villain. Yeah. Uh, over there at Christina. <laughs> Christina. At um Christina. I know. I'm, I feel like it. Are you going to go my way? Yeah. Okay. Um, not at Cosmopolitics. They're at um Christina. I, I, last I saw you, you logged some Christmas movies. Um, yeah. About the log and salt burn. Did you guys know that you can drink semen and it's actually like one of those kooky like health uh, regimens, apparently? There's a whole cookbook you should go look at. So follow Adam Christina for more of those tidbits of knowledge. And uh, and let's get her keep logging stuff on Letterboxd. Jay Andrew, Oz is another world, a.k.a. the off-topic king of Oz. Another, everyone's got these regalistic titles. I guess I'm the wonderful one. So Not me, saying. though. Uh, and he's... Now, now I'm just imagining they, go, they get to Oz at the end of the thing. Have you heard of Beastmaster? I, I want a heart. <laughs> I want some courage. And he's like, have you seen that one episode of Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> where, uh... <laughs> it was really interesting because it dates back to, okay. Uh, is watching all the weirdest stuff. So you don't have to. Currently watching John Pertwee era Doctor Who episodes, uh, which yes. is a thing that you can lock on Letterboxd. But he's watching, uh, what was, I, I, I hesitate to even ask, but what was, there was a recent film you saw that caught my attention. Um, what was it? Zombievers? Is that what it Zombievers, was? Zombievers, yes. I just found yeah. out while we were on air that uh, a friend of show, uh, Gabriel Horn, was at the uh, premiere of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> what a time to be alive. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it is a wild movie. Like, like, it is way more fun than you think it is. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a typical uh, horror film about a bunch of friends going off to a cabin and they get attacked by uh, zombie beavers. Oh, <laughs> Very that's well. typical. So if, yeah. if that's out of it. Oh, I've heard that. I've seen that story so many times, though. Yeah, uh, the old Greek parable. So if that's the kind of thing that interests you. Follow J. Andrew World at right about now, too. He's watching all that stuff. Uh, watch all the weirder stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe so you can, not for me to judge. Clara Pancock, KT, Balsaro, at Little Deadly on Letterboxd. Uh, you are... You're starting to log. You have a newer show. We'll get into more in the plugs, but you're starting to log mm-hmm. that. Uh, I know you just saw Quiz Lady with that movie runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, which I'm watching a movie a day, and I'll be log- logging on Letterbox a lot. So if you follow me on Letterbox, you'll see a lot of content. There you go. And, and right. Get a link for TikTok on there too. Great. Oh yes, we're gonna tick the talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> off topic, King of Oz. Please take it away with the plugs. Thank you. 
All right. For watching us right now on YouTube, please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And of course, the big ask, watch the video to the end because that allows other movie fans to find our content and allows you to hear that great Coda Neutron song that you'll only hear for this month. That's right. So, movie Night Adventure, The Return. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 an uh, old theme that, that we haven't played in a while, but it's it's a great one. So I'm happy it's back. And of course, if you're uh, over on uh, Twitch, do the Twitch things, throw us a sub. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. It does not cost you anything, but actually helps out the show. Uh, so if you are able to help us out over there, um, please do those uh, do, do those things. Uh, you can find us on social media as well. We're on uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky, uh, and Threads. So so um, check us out in those places. Uh, if you know. You don't if you don't have a Threads account, you don't want a Threads account. Don't check us out there. Check us out on the one you will have. You know, I I'm not trying to peer pressure you into, into threads joining is, anything. Threads is full of I'm white and I'm proud, and then Zionists Ooh. and proud shit. And I'm like, what happened here? Yeah, you know what? You know, yeah. you know what? You know what needs to come back? Shame. <laughs> we need to bring shame back. <laughs> I'm white and I feel and I feel ashamed. Anyway, follow us <laughs> on that <laughs> platform. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> but you can, yeah, if you happen to enjoy that, Insta platform. Instagram's actually still good, and we're doing yeah. lots of Instagram, including live streaming this very show. So, yeah, mm -hmm. there you have it. If you uh, are on Instagram a lot and you want to watch us there, you can do that. Yes, please follow us, Moving Extravaganza at Geo Cities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have, a, we have a, a live journal about every exactly. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah my we should actually. <laughs> Why sense. not? Why every other goddamn thing? Um, but, uh, also, we have a Patreon, and uh, the Patreon is much more exciting than a live journal because it actually helps us out. Um, <laughs> you, you can subscribe and get access to things like our things after party, um, <laughs> which we're doing one this evening, I believe, unless we've... Yes. Yeah. because we were the Yellow Brick Road after party. Excellent. So so find us over there, and I might be telling stories about the uh, silent movie version of it because it is insane. We're definitely okay. going to talk a little about Lynch Oz, uh, which which I recommend streaming on Criterion Channel as well. But I, yeah. I didn't want to put that in the main show because there's already too much to talk about. So, no, you know, but, lynching, but uh, <laughs> lynching Oz should have been what they did when they got to the Emerald City. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and of course, Conan Neutron spins. Well, up hold there. on, D Discord. Discord. Discord, yes, Discord's That's actually funny. happening. So please join it. Uh, moving extra against the Discord. Imagine we did. Uh watch parties in discord we can now and uh we're if you're part of the movement extravaganza community uh one of those patrons that mentioned earlier um we're gonna cook up some some cool stuff for that we have a culminate uh, we have a feed that's all of our letterbox stuff and it's, it's really cool it's good and we have uh, all of our friend shows are in there as well so let, let's start making the discord happen because it's time. I have I have it downloaded. I mean, it's on my laptop. I just have to oh, yeah. turn it. The host on. has it downloaded. He has to log into it first. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We're off to a great. Hey, it beats Slack. Anyway, he literally <laughs> wants to whisper a pause in my Discord like after I stream on New Year's Eve. It was fun. Yeah, I, I yeah, I wish I would have known that was happening because I had watched it like two hours earlier. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna watch that again. <laughs> I like it. I I don't two times in one day want to watch it. Yeah. No, I was out seeing concerts, so I wasn't gonna watch it. <laughs> Appreciate the update. Yes. But uh, Conan, you've been yes. up there fronting uh, Protonic Reversal or being in front of <laughs> Protonic Reversal. 
which yes. is your podcast. I'm literally in front of the logo of Proton Conversal, which is my podcast. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> Wait, <Andy>. really? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you have a podcast? I think I said it's true. Yeah, hard to believe, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Is when she reverses that fucking uh, twister and it takes her back to Kansas. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. People are talking about this more and more. Uh, first Proton Conversal of 2024, Thursday, Scott McDonald of Arc Welder. So that should be a great one. I don't think any of the guys from Ark Wilder have ever been on any show ever. So that should be exciting. They have oh. a new record and they're actually playing a show, which is astounding because last time they played uh, a show that I'm aware of, uh, maybe they played one since then, but it was Catterwall 2022. So very excited to have Ark Wilder on. Yes, ProtonConversal.com for the archives. $1 a month, Patreon.com slash ProtonConversal for early access. Greg Norton from Husker Du coming back. Uh, Devo's uh, Gerald Vicasali, who was just on for a 2001 episode, coming on to talk about music. Steve Bartek of Oingo Boingo coming on in a few weeks. So, very good. He's like Dan Elfman's right-hand man, which he looks like he needs all roided out like he is. I mean, <laughs> parody, parody, but yeah. Have you seen what Danny Elfman looks like now? Like, yeah, no, but he's, top, he's he must be living like together. the best life though. He's, he's <laughs> good a, for him. Yeah, yeah. No, like he's been doing concerts too. Like that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look up Danny Elfman jacked. <laughs> 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 Maybe this should be classic after party material. But you're okay. right. You're right. Mm. But but uh, if you want more Conan Neutron, you can also go to uh, check out his band at neutronfriends.bandcamp.com and. Buy an album. I mean, you know, it's you got Christmas money burning a hole in your pocket. <laughs> Give it to Conan and get one of his albums. Yes, please. Yeah, we 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 got a new one. That's it. nobody has nobody has a reaction to Danny Elfman <laughs> plus Jacked. Oh, okay. I Steve, thought that was on Discord. Discord. Someone yeah, puts a link a... in. <laughs> it's a very very non plus. This is a sixty eight year old man, by the way. Yeah, good for him. Good. Is what I gotta yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. And he doesn't have like it's the a weird... buff man's party. Fantastic. <laughs> well, well, well done. Right. Glad I went to that effort. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, buy my records. Thanks. <laughs> um, and, and Christina just streamed on uh, New Year's. Yeah, we uh, we looked back at music that was that's turning sixty. It's fifty-five. Like we went through all the songs that are getting an older, you know. And what my thing was with nineteen ninety-nine. 25 years ago so all my favorite pop hits are turning 25 but i'm like i'm getting old i'm like <laughs> but like the fucking outcast double album is turning 20 years old this year oh yeah i remember when that came out oh my yeah. god fucking uh the the, the, the killers debut albums turned i was like what but yeah let's talk about a blood a brand new album for 1990 <laughs> they might be giants. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it says we're so old. We're also mm. old. I don't like. Okay, yeah. People love talking about how old they are. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I never got into that conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, not what am I, like like Maddie, you like and just love it. You know, Maddie well, said go into the twenty years and Shannon Jackson did nothing wrong. <laughs> True. <laughs> anyway. so anything else coming up, Christina? Uh nope, just gonna be live streaming. Um, I'll be dog sitting. Gonna be streaming because I got my camera on my little like camera mount hold thingy, so I can take it with me. We call we call that the boob cam. Yes. <laughs> boob cam. Oh, there's my bra. Ta-da. <laughs> got two bonus gloves right here. 
Well, you leaned over earlier. You went, uh, you almost went panties on stream. Uh, you know, it's like 10 minutes yeah. ago. We say that, we say that for the after party. Now, okay, my Twitch channel. We got an ass emote now with panties, so it's, it's a thing. And of course, you can always support Christina. Uh, over moving at, uh, right along from that immediately with no comment is the correct move. <laughs> just, you just like, there's no. Nothing, nothing he said. No, no, but, no. But, you uh, did the right thing. Yeah, no. Patreon.com uh, slash gospel politics. Uh, support Christina over there. Um, yeah. yeah. And of course, KT <laughs> is yeah. over there with her new podcast. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. I, I have. Yeah. Okay. Forrest is just on it, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you need more Forrest in your life, go check out KT's uh, podcast. I don't know why anyone yeah, would. Yeah, people but... definitely want more Forrest in their life. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. So if don't you don't know, know it's called What If I Don't Like It, and it's the basic premise. We have somebody come on who hasn't watched a movie. This one was me, but Forrest was being the hype man because the first half of the show, somebody who has seen the movie and likes the movie kind of hypes you up about it. And then in the second half, which is us right now, you find out whether or not it worked out, whether or not they actually did like the movie. Uh, Conan, we picked your movie. Yes. We're gonna watch. We're gonna watch Moonstruck. Because I don't like romantic comedies at all. Step <laughs> out of it. I think, exactly. I think it's a wonderful movie. I think it's yeah. like it. I saw it in high school. I haven't seen it since, but but I remember really liking it because I was in the middle of drawing and I couldn't change the channel on the uh, TV where I had to get up and change the channel. And uh, that's how I watched it and um, not sad about it. Yeah. So, so I haven't seen it. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to do it. I just generally don't like that genre of film. I think it's lazy. I think it has some of the laziest writing of any genre, mm -hmm. uh, including sci-fi which and horror. Which is the are coming back. Dude, what are you talking about? I know they're coming back, but they're still written terribly. <laughs> people don't people don't usually watch them for the writing. People mm -hmm. watch them to see hot people doing sex to each other. Thank yeah. you. And I think this is this is a good example of 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 decent of very good writing and you even have somebody who wins an Oscar for a performance in yeah. this. So you're going to get really reason, good And for and some that reason, that was controversial too. That was a controversy about that. There you go. So we're going to talk all about that on KT show. Uh, what if I don't like it? I'm excited. I've never seen it. So I yeah. mean, I've and seen got, a lot of stuff, but I haven't seen that. It's got a lot of little bits of love, too. Not just that one big, like, big romantic comedy love. It's like everybody's got love. It's nice. I won't overdo it. Um, but then other than that, I do uh, want to talk about uh, movie runtime, which is something that you can find me on TikTok. Every day I'm going to be ellipticaling the length of a movie. We're starting out with, like, movies that are an hour and a half for the month of January. And then we'll see if I get to, like, Killers of the Flower Moon by, like, December. <laughs> You're going to be more jacked than Danny Elfman. Fucking, yeah, great DO2 max at that point. Um, I just have been chronically ill over the last year, and I just, I don't, I haven't been able to use my body as much as I want. I haven't been able to watch as much movies as I want. So this is just a way for me to do it, to do one every day, uh, post a little video review on TikTok. So I get to learn how to use TikTok, which is going to be fun. So please, movie runtime. I got to learn how to use TikTok too. So we got to, we got to both learn this. KT is going to be over here uh, doing a double feature with a Jean Dillman and like Godfather part two or something by the, by the end of the year. She's going to be. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna do so Gone with the, the Wind and then Titanic and then and then Braveheart. Yeah, exactly. I'm, oh, you should have uh, you should have you should have started with uh, Scorsese's like six minute uh, movie where it's the guy shaving and he starts bleeding like the big shave. You should have started with yeah. that and then worked your way up to Killers of the Flower Moon. Every well, I, and, and every, six a day. I don't know. I think it's a cool conceit though, because it's yeah. like the idea is like however long the movie is, that's how long you're on the treadmill, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's yeah. a cool idea. 
I like that. Yeah. And, and every five days I'm going to do either a short film or two short films together to kind of take a short, you know, to give myself a rest day uh, and to indulge in short films because I don't feel like I watch enough of those. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And of course, uh, you can still watch Girl in the Basement and, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yep. And if you find me on Instagram, you can get the link to that really easily. Um, you also can find it on Letterboxd. Uh, a lot of that stuff is going to be easy to find that way. And uh, Starwell Foundation season two is out. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The end of season one just it, it, it completed the entirety of well, it's called season one, but there was a pilot season. So it's like when you're on an elevator and they have like a ground level and then they have what they call first level, but it's really the second level. Um, mm -hmm. So the pilot season was last year. This is season one. Uh, it's finished. The final episode of season one, episode six came out today. So the entire thing is out. You can yep. listen to all of it. I saw the download. I haven't listened to a single one yet, but I will eventually. That's the way to do it. This way you don't get left at these cliffhangers. It's binging, man. It's, it's, it's binging. Mm -hmm. By the way, this has nothing to do with Starwell Foundation, but uh, I'm you, you all know I'm a big Robert Altman fan. I love the movie Shortcuts. Three hours and seven minutes, right? So that you'd have to be really in the zone for that one. But Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson's Shortcuts, <laughs> is three hours, eight minutes. And you got to wonder if he did that intentionally. What shortcuts? Three hours, seven mm. minutes. We're doing three hours and eight. <laughs> well, that's like the uh well that's like the opening scene in um in fuck how was where where they do the where they remake the the touch of evil uh in the player yeah yeah, yeah the player yeah. yeah i don't know why so, I was that, so what uh, yeah paul thomas anderson was uh he was he was altmaning altman <laughs> This is a pretty esoteric discussion. Anyway, whatever. That's a long. The point, reason why I know those those runtimes is those are long movies, and I was trying to think of the longest movies possible for the bit. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll see. They're both good. I'd probably make it up to like two and a half hours. See, if a movie is like Rebel Moon and it's two and a half hours, it feels like seven. So like, ugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I so guess is this, uh, we're ready for final. Well, I was just going to say one more thing here. Um, I have a video coming out on give them an argument this week, um, cool. which uh, yeah, it's, it's a little video on a socialist sculptor. So um, yeah, check that out. Uh, I think that's tomorrow. No. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to double check the schedule. <laughs> I forgot. All right. All right. <laughs> well, KT, I'll give it to you. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, you know, I thought this was, it was definitely a watchable movie. As an adult, you're not going to, you're just not going to have the enjoyable factor that, that children have with it. Um, I feel like it's also a lot, a, lot, a lot like the Bible. Like I probably could have gotten away with not having seen it and still passed through time. Fine. I'm happy that I did. Uh, overall, it's fine. I would watch. It was fine. Hmm. <laughs> nice. Uh, from here, Christina, let's hear some final thoughts. Well, this is a Thomas classic that can never be remade. If you tried making it today, it wouldn't be as magical. You would not have practical effects. You wouldn't have, you know, makeup that could possibly kill you. You wouldn't have a stunning ingenue like Judy Garland able to belt out a song that makes you feel nostalgic about being home, even though you should have stayed in Oz. Um, <laughs> granted, this film... Any type of film probably couldn't be made today, considering all that went, you know, all that went down. Um, I every time I watch it, I feel the nostalgia I did as a child watching it all the time on VHS with the Downey commercial and the jitterbug gutted scene. For those who don't know VHS, they had those. 
Um, it's one of those movies you have to watch before you die, at least, or even before you reach an adult, which KT never got the experience of. So that's why her views are obviously very different. But I will say um, probably the most influential film of all time has been parody referenced way too many times over. The spinoff media is insane. Um, this film is probably one of the films that will definitely outlast once we've all long gone. Yeah. If there are kids listening to this, you should watch this movie. Also, don't. If there are kids listening to this, don't. <laughs> Why? Don't watch this podcast if you're listening. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. 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 Yes. kids listening, I recommend this movie. Clearly you have negligent parents. <laughs> if there's kids listening to this, stop. Um, <laughs> I'll see if they're Andy. mine. <laughs> Andy, final thought. All right. Um, I, I got to say, like, uh, I remember uh, when I was like um, – in uh, third or fourth grade, they 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 uh, uh, it was the day before Thanksgiving, and they hustled us into the um into the gymnasium like all the kids in school because there wasn't that many that day because uh, it was you know a half day the day before Thanksgiving, and we watched Return to Oz and like it always seems that uh, Wizard of Oz has been a Thanksgiving thing uh, because I just remember you know constantly watching like terrible terrible uh, versions of it that that uh, they would show on uh, TV. Um, and I remember I watched all of them, but the thing is, is none of them actually compare to this one, which, you know, holds up. It's, it breezes by, I mean, you wouldn't think it would, but it breezes by. Um, and it's, uh, you know, does, is the music a little overwritten sometimes? Yeah, a little bit. This, the score is a little much at times, but like, whatever it, it, it's, it's very much of its time, but it pushed things forward in such a way, like we wouldn't have had Star Trek. Like, like, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Wizard of Oz. And so I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> Conan, it's final thoughts. Yeah, well, this is, for me, one of the most imaginative, magical, iconic, and immersive films of all time. And I think it's correctly regarded as one of the greats. It's, as mentioned, universally adored, endlessly homage, parodied, and referenced. And I'm one of the people where it's basically in your DNA. You know, there's a the aforementioned astounding set design, brilliant characters with a universal appeal, and an overall presentation that's meant to cause awe and wonder. Uh, the change up from the black and white of Kansas to the bright Technicolor of Oz, as I mentioned earlier, has to be one of the first and best examples of movie magic uh, that still endures and that we all love. I think at the core of it, the film was kind of ridiculous, but all of it works because there's a really dedicated open-heartedness to it and childlike wonder. But there's also this deep undercurrent of something darker underneath throughout. And maybe some of that comes through because if you know the off-screen drama and tragedy, some of which we talked about creeping in, perhaps some of that. Uh, but that also will go back to the fact that I think L. Frank Baum was writing his equivalent of Grimm's fairy tales for a new country, world, and century. I really don't get why so many people try to adapt the property and they always go for gritty and dark. I don't get that at all because the thing that actually makes this movie magic and, and, and interesting and one of the all-time greats for me is how dark everything is underneath the bright Emerald City and the Yellow Brick Road. Because well, I don't like think we're doing the same thing for every Brothers Grimm fairy tale, right? Like, right. The, the, well, dark, the dark under version. dark yeah. is not special. Dark under bright can be truly extraordinary. Look at yeah. David Lynch, right? Look at David Lynch. Perfect example of that. I, I think it's a high watermark for world building and for fantasy and adventure films. And uh, yeah, it was really a blast to get to talk about it with KT. You never saw it until 
now as an adult because yeah. we rarely get that experience. And anytime I see someone, it's like, oh, you haven't seen that. I'm never like, oh, you haven't seen that. It's like, oh, you haven't seen that. That's cool. You're going to get to see this for the first time, experience this for the first time. And granted, so many of it, so much of it may have been something you already knew through other media. But I, I do think it's an interesting scenario uh, to be able to present it in this way. So I'm glad you were able to do this with us, KT. I definitely understand like getting the moral that that it's a parable about being who you actually are i get that now i feel like i kind of had an idea but i couldn't have summed it up so i do feel like you need to see it to get it <laughs> they say to this very day kansas is still in sepia tone <laughs> can confirm yeah <laughs> all right we're gonna head on we're gonna mosey on down to the yellow brick road after party um so We'll see you over there. We'll be after partying. We'll be hanging out with the Munchkins, getting, uh, getting, getting. We'll continue, up and... continue listing off the spinoff media. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Dude, I have, that'll be I the whole show. Give you a clip from my show where I tell you it all. <laughs> and we will fill in the gaps of what Wicked filled in for those who are curious, because there's a lot there that's like okay. Filling in that the gaps, sense. kids, mm -hmm. turn it off. Filling in, <laughs> filling in. Oh the yeah, gaps. there's a lot of filling in the gaps in the book. A century later. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about Saltburn too. Apparently. Okay. <laughs> I heard there was some filling in the gaps there too. Yes. That's. <laughs> <Tune>. <laughs>